This episode contains some foul language because we are deep diving super bad. Don't say you were not warned. Give me a go, no go for launch. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. I was going to say something that was not true. I, I don't know why we do these. Let's make film history. We are go for launch. Welcome back, everybody, to the Almost Sideways podcast. This is a very, very special episode, as it is episode 200. We're recording this on Sunday, November 27th, 2022, at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And we got the whole gang together. I'm Terry. We've got Todd. We've got Zach. And we have Adam. How's it going, guys? It's always a privilege to be on the big show, getting that call up from AAA again. So it's it's always fun. Always glad to have you. Always glad to have you. Well, it's a big show. (laughs) Well well done, Todd. Well done. So we're on episode 200, which probably means we've done about 1,900 hours of content. Oh, okay. Plus Adams. So we're at like probably the 3,000 range for content. You know, Malcolm Gladwell said it takes 1,000 hours to to learn how to do something. Actually, I think it was 10,000, but I'm just going to say 1,000. Does that mean we're like 30% of the way to figuring out how to do this? (laughs) that's <laughs> good, 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 good yes i think that i think that's fair that's quick fair. maths i like it i think so is that the right math terry i don't know you know i don't know it's sunday i don't do math <laughs> <laughs> talk to me tomorrow i might be able to explain does that, that. bother but, you when people when people ask you math questions because they know you're the math teacher um a lot. It, it does happen quite a bit i don't it's know it's like an inside lewin davis when you ask him to play the music at the one of reason Algebra sucks, though. Todd, I'm wearing I'm wearing the Nebraska gear. The Matt Rule era has begun. Yes, we, that's uh, exciting. So notoriously, uh, jinx the Scott Frost era five years yes. ago. You know, yeah, that was just when you and me were on the podcast too. Yeah, that. <laughs> you know what's a good sign for a new coach hire is when he appears on Fox Sports One on a roundtable panel and he asks to answer the question, "What is your favorite Thanksgiving dish?" That like Matt Rule did earlier this week. That's a great sign that it's a great hire. One hundred percent. I can get behind that. I can get behind that. What would what would be your potatoes, by the way? Yeah, okay. Well what's your favorite uh Thanksgiving dish? Me? Um, well, I this is good a good round table discussion here. I like I like potatoes. I think that's pretty clearly my number one. Or dark turkey sometimes. Yeah. Green bean casserole. Yeah, I'm yeah, a, I, I knew Todd's casserole. Green bean yeah. casserole. Mine is is like when when you take like the green bean casserole, the stuffing, and the mashed potatoes, and you mix it all together, and then and then mm. break up some turkey inside it, just like wow. the the massive mound of everything, and then top it top it all off with gravy. That's that's mine. Yeah, because it's all kind of like cranberry the one big uh, mm-hmm. cranberry. Yeah, no, that's not a good answer for cranberry sauce. No, no, thank you. Only thing good for cranberries are juice. Um, <laughs> vodka, <laughs> yeah, vodka. Yeah, I, I had a vodka cran my very first beverage, alcoholic beverage ever. So there's there's fun fact there for you. <laughs> Facts, Terry. What's your favorite Thanksgiving uh, dish? You didn't. I answer. just said it's oh, when you take it all, you put it all on the plate, oh. and mix it together. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I would probably go with uh, either green bean casserole or that that white stuff that goes up pumpkin pie, whipped cream, or whipped uh, whipped cream. It's not a dish, but okay. I know. I'm just joking. <laughs> It's my attempt at humor. It's really three three votes for <laughs> green bean casserole. 
Because that's that's really, I wouldn't touch green bean casserole. Oh I yeah, I I, I make that at least once dishes. a month. Like I, I love green bean casserole. It's wow. delicious, man. What, what what podcast am I on? I need to just go to the big <laughs> picture or something. <laughs> well, we've got a ton to talk about, so let's get into it. First off, what are we drinking? And we're going to start with Zach. I'm drinking some water because I'm broadcasting from a PG-13 school environment. <laughs> and there are people nearby, so I really need to watch my mouth unless they've already heard me. But uh, yes, nice. some wonderful Agua Fria. Nice, nice. Todd? Well, I'm drinking some Kyle's Killer Lemonade, but it's actually Mike's Hard uh, Seltzer because I'll never touch actual Mike's Hard again. And I'm drinking it out of a stein because, uh, I don't know, like seeing somebody twice in the same clothes is very unbecoming to drink on the podcast out of a can. So, cheers. <laughs> that was beautiful. Oh, that's great. That was beautiful. Great. Adam, what do you got? Well, I didn't get any Jim Bean whiskey like they did in the Fablemans, but I do have some Woodenville whiskey, which Ooh. is a, like 90 proof uh, bourbon whiskey finished in uh, port casks. So That's good tea. stuff. Pretty good stuff at Costco too. Big old container. Shout there. out sponsor. Nice. <clears throat> so I I went to the store looking for some good beer for this, and I've got first. It, it's a blue can. It's not it's not green, but it's blue beer, and it's a double pilsner because it's it's the two hundredth episode, so it's a double. And we're we're deep diving super bad. This is the super swell. Nice, nice. So, kind of the oh, opposite. I, I, yeah, tried. I tried. The, the, the research checks out. I, there I was an effort. It. There was an effort. I'm really disappointed that no one's drinking out of a laundry detergent uh, tank. Though. Mine That's wasn't quite way. empty. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I low-key said something about that when Terry and I were filming the Avengers. I was like, man, I'm going to bring out a laundry detergent thing. Well, there you go. That's At least I, I think I, I said that. If not, then I did say it now. So, Well, make sure you're uh, subscribing, rating, reviewing, so you can listen to all the different things going on on the uh, – on the uh, Almost Sideways podcast, we've got uh, the daily notes that are uh, coming out every week. I was on that this last week as we talked about the Avengers and uh, and Adam talked about some other stuff. Also, we've got the Almost Sideshow as we're continuing to go through Barry. We just finished season two. Getting season get three. Season let's three. go. Yep. It's going to be good. Uh, let's get into what we've been watching. And for that, we are going to start with Todd. Starting now. Okay, I uh, watched the Netflix movie that has got some Oscar buzz. It is the Edward Berger movie, All Quiet on the Western Front. It oh, is good. set nice. uh, during call. World War One. It's an adaptation of the book that previously turned into a Best Picture winner over 90 years ago. And it follows this kid, Paul Baumer, played by Felix Kammerer. He's a 17-year-old who enlists in the German army after just this impassioned speech inspires he and his classmates to, you know, go help defend the country. Um most of it, the movie takes place in the trenches of the Western Front, which makes it just a really intense experience. The, the only actor really of note is Daniel Bruhl. He plays a German official who's trying to convince like the people in power to begin a missus talks with the Allies. Um, and the last 45 minutes actually are a lot of that, uh, which is where we get a more expanded scope of the actual ordeal than I would have expected from a typical war movie. It's a it's a really horrifying movie to watch. Like it's devastating. It's really graphic and kind of brutal. It it should have been on the big screen because the scope and cinematography are so good. Like I don't know how Netflix got their hands on this one. And I always thought it was weird that there were no real signature World War One movies 
uh, except for maybe the original and like Sergeant York. But now with like this in 1917, it's kind of becoming a focus because it's showing just how inhumane that particular war was. And and this one shows that in like just a vis visceral fashion. And the score, I've never heard anything quite like it. It's really booming and it's really different. It's like a monster movie score or something. I can't get it out of my head. I think it should be winning the Oscar. And it has, I don't know, it has a really lonely feeling. You feel like the the helplessness and isolation that Paul is is there while he's watching his friends just like die so suddenly. And it, um, and it I mean, it like it has just a gut punch of an ending. Uh, and I think it, it's it's cool that it shows like how enthusiastic you can be about going to defend your country. But when you actually get into it, you see the absolute hell that it is in the blink of an eye. Like uh, the B greatest bureau ever kind of had that in a comedic fashion, but this one just shows it in just like brutal fashion. And the acting is terrific. I think the editing the sound should be nominated for Oscars. And I still think Edward Berger is going to get nominated for Best Director as like the foreign auteur nominee that they always seem to nominate nowadays. Even though it can't get in for picture, I think it's still a director nominee. It's a harrowing movie. Three and a half stars, almost four stars. It It's one that you won't forget. Nice. Yeah. Nice. yeah this I've kind been of, wanting to watch that one. I just haven't had a chance to yet. This seemed to kind of take over. You know, you, you were bold with your She Said pick, which may not pan out entirely, but you were also bold with this pick kind of early on because I, I really didn't hear about this movie until you started talking about it in your blog. Yeah, I, I, I said it was going to win Best Director. And at the time, it was sort of just breaking out in like the festivals and stuff like that. And it, it seemed to have that trajectory. But now people have just forgotten about it because it's on Netflix. But that's the same thing that kind of happened with Power of the Dog last year. So once we start to get awards rolling out, I think this will pop up a lot more. All right. Yeah, definitely need one I need to watch. Well, Adam, you are next. Tell us what you watch this week. All right, so I've been doing the rewatches and revisits on daily, or not rewatches, the first time watches and revisits. This I have a revisit of a 2007 movie to keep uh, with what's going on. So uh, Terry kind of knows about it. I'm going to see if Zach and Todd guess this. This is a film that is a remake of a classic Hitchcock film with a popular actor that Todd and I really like. Throw Mama from the Train. Throw Mama. That's based Close. on a Hitchcock film. Wait, Wait, how, how, yeah, what year? What, what, yeah. 2007. So it's the same year as Superbad. Oh. And this actor has a big franchise he's attached to the same exact year. Disturbia. The Disturbia. Disturbia is oh. correct. Nice. Disturbia I don't, is correct. Just, just to clarify, Hitchcock did not direct a movie called Disturbia. No, no, it's based right. off it's, his it's based it's a remake of his remake film. of Rear Window. Yes, just so yes. we're clear. Okay, good clarification. So anyway, <laughs> Disturbia is a PG-13 film with an hour and 45 minute runtime. It's directed by DJ Carusco, who is also, uh, this is his first of two directed films that he's done with Shia. Uh, he, the second one being 2008 with Eagle Eye. And the it's he's also the director of X Triple uh, X three and Triple X the upcoming Triple X four project too. So there you go. I had to throw that out there. Uh, but this film stars Shia LaBeouf, David Morse, Carrie Ann Moss, Sarah Romer, and Viola Davis for some reason. Uh, a year after uh, Kale, played by Shia LaBeouf, loses his father, becomes like under house arrest after punching his Spanish teacher in the face. Uh, as boredom quickly takes hold of him he looks out his windows for his entertainment he notices a new girl moves in next door a husband cheating on his wife with a maid across the street and of course he is next door to a serial killer 
so this only happens in Disturbia. Uh, so after rewatching this, I, I remember really liking this film a lot in 2007. I remember going to the theater and actually watching because I was a huge Shia Buff fan. Still am. I really like. think he's a really good actor and stuff on camera. And this brought back all those nostalgic, like watching high school kind of life back then. And I think he's still really good. He's still very charismatic. And I can't picture anybody else doing it quite as good as he was doing it in 2007. And it's just a fun kind of time capsule film. We'll be talking about Superbad as well later. But it's another film that's just kind of perfectly embodies 2007. Uh, and the music and the pop culture, re- uh, pop culture references are totally a sign of the times, which I actually just ate up and kind of reminisced about for a while as well. Uh, Shia LaBeouf again brings an energy to this role that, I, like I said, can't imagine anybody else doing it. And he's he has this manic energy that's super entertaining. And again, 2007 was like his year where he was like became this huge star because Transformers also came out that year. And along with his video games, and he's also in Surf's Up. So 2007, I think, was a huge year for him. And it's it's funny, cheesy version of Rear Window, but that's no, nowhere near as good as the, the iconic Rear Window film, which is a top 100 movie for me. It's the opening sequences with like his dad and the dad's death and how they handle that. It's kind of ridiculously bad. And the relationship that he has with Carrie Ann Moss as his mom, it doesn't seem like the movie even cares about it until the movie wants to care about it and but as a plot device so it doesn't it's not as good as i remember being but it's still still thoroughly entertaining enough to like i would watch this again because it's just a perfect time capsule film for me and why is viola davis in this for some reason that's another uh funny little film in her filmography but uh yeah disturbing it's still a two and a half star film for me it's it's still thoroughly entertaining that i i do enjoy so so, but just be clear, you had already seen it, right? So this was a revisiting. Oh yeah, I've, I've seen this several times. I, funny enough, apparently I owned this at one point, sold it, and then rebought it again. So this is like my second <laughs> copy. That sounds more interesting than the movie. If I'm like the wrong. same copy, because that would be crazy. <laughs> that oh, would that be, would be crazy. Trapped the guy you sold it to in a garage sale or something. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so this this needs to be a plot for a movie. Actually, this sounds fantastic. That actually is good. Yeah, we should make like an almost sideshow show. <laughs> we come up with plot movies. And then the ambiguous ending, you know, a la like Blade Runner, is was it the original or not? Or is it a replica? I could see that's that genius right there. See, it's probably better than the movie, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Only if most Def and Jack Black are working at the video store. Is oh, that would be, that'd be I, I would approve that message. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Moving on. It is my turn. Uh, we're going back 20 years to a pretty big oversight that I was going to be looking at this year. Uh, it was nominated for two Oscars. Both were acting Oscars. Made in Manhattan. Obviously. That's what it was. No. Oh, about Schmidt. Two acting. About Schmidt. Exactly. Oh, nice. This one either. Nice. I don't know why I'd never this one up until now, but yeah, about Schmidt. Can you guys hear me okay? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I, I'm getting a low, low internet signal, so I was just making sure. <clears throat> okay. So, uh, so about Schmidt, it stars Jack Nicholson, Hope Davis, Dermot Mulroney, Kathy Bates, June Squibb, Howard Hessman, and it follows. Jack Nicholson around as a recently retired man who is embarking on a journey 
to his daughter's wedding and kind of discovering himself along the way as he goes through uh, back roads, Nebraska and uh, and Colorado as he works his way to the wedding. Um, this is uh, directed by Alexander Payne, written by Alexander Payne and Jim Taylor. Uh, and it makes perfect sense why this was the precursor to Sideways. Like the he was crafting his tone and his um, and his voice. The two of them were in about Schmidt, and then perfected it in Sideways. Because uh, this is this is a great movie. I'm giving this movie three and a half stars. Jack Nicholson gives one of his one of my favorite performances from him because it is so subtle and and so just simple and you don't get that out of jack nicholson very often he's he's usually jack and this is not that at all it's so so subdued and his uh his conversations he has uh with this little tanzanian boy in ndugu as he's writing letters to him and that's how you get what he's thinking about uh, it's it's awesome it's perfect uh, Kathy Bates also got nominated for this. I really don't know how. Um, <laughs> she's Kathy Bates, man. I know she's Kathy Bates. That's really the only reason what? why. But the the role was nothing really special, other than the she fact got that naked. she's Kathy Bates and she got naked. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's amazing to think that uh, that just five years after um, he was a heartthrob in My Best Friend's Wedding, you have a uh, a mutton chops mullet wearing Dermot Mulroney acting as the uh, the backwoods <laughs> hick colorado kid that's uh that's marrying uh hope davis his daughter wow but this this movie's brilliant uh, it, it it is constantly entertaining it is uh it's a lot of it, it's a lot of fun it's it's one of those that makes you laugh it makes you think and jack nicholson at the heart of any movie is going to be good but when he when they're able to bring something out of him that you normally don't see it's even better and uh and i think it's a comedy too so uh, three and a half stars for about Schmidt. Nice. I, I've never seen this one. It's one of my it's one of my blind spot watches that I have down on my list to watch at some point. The only thing I really know about this movie, my dad went and my mom went to see this movie in theaters. And the only thing they said about it was that Kathy Bates got naked in a <laughs> jacuzzi. Is that correct? Yeah, that's the only thing I know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know and why everyone, that was the everyone information they gave me. Awkward. But... Everyone watching is as awkward as Jack Nicholson is in that moment. I don't. I don't know why that's the information they chose to give me when they went to see that movie, but that's what they did. And they must not have wanted you to watch it. Probably not. That's why. Well, I say this with all due respect for About Schmidt, which I haven't seen in a long time, but I'm sure is a good movie. I have. I gave it thumbs up. It's a. It's better as a trailer. Watch. Watch the trailer on YouTube. It. It. I mean, it's not like a special trailer or anything like that. It gets everything you need to know about the movie out of the way. And it's probably such a good trailer that it makes me think that the movie wasn't as good because if you could tell the story in two minutes, then why did it take 110 minutes? So, <laughs> but it's, it's a good movie, I'm sure. What I remember. It's just I a you're great a fan trailer. of this one, right? It's a great trailer. Yeah, I like the movie too. And, but yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time. Like, I only watched, watched it once. So, I think it's worth a revisit, and, and Adam needs to watch it. Yeah. All right, Zach, what'd you watch? All right, I watched a four-star movie this week from 2022, a new release nice. that I hadn't really heard much about, but it just got released on Amazon Prime, and it is a documentary called Bad Axe, and it is a the story of uh, a um, Asian uh, American family, 
the father is an immigrant from Cambodia. The mother's actually from Mexico. So they're a uh, blended uh, family um, that lives in Bad Axe, Michigan. And they run a family business, which is a restaurant, mostly run by the, the mother and father. The kids are kind of in the, the middle ground. They're not sure if they want to stay at the restaurant or kind of pursue their own careers. A lot of they're, they're kind of in their early 20s. Um, the documentary takes place in uh, 2020 um, in the midst of uh uh, COVID virus. So a lot of the documentary is about whether the restaurant can stay afloat given, um, you know, uh, ma the mask mandates and other mandates in the state of Michigan, which is always sort of a backdrop to the movie. And then the movie kind of goes toward, toward, uh, toward the 2020 uh, election. And uh, amid that, you kind of see this uh, drama of the family getting uh, racial threats from the members of this, you know, pretty conservative rural community in Michigan. Um, you get some really racist and xenophobic rhetoric. The family has members that take place in a Black Lives Matter march, which becomes really uh, bad, bad business for the restaurant. So it's kind of a movie about whether you keep your morals and convictions, even in times of kind of economic and financial desperation, because these people are going to go broke if they, if they don't have a clientele. Uh, this is an absolutely fascinating documentary. It's a great portrait of um, an immigrant family. Uh, a great portrait of race in America, a great portrait of small town America, and it's probably the best COVID film, maybe COVID film period that I've seen so far. It really reminds you of those kind of stark, bleak days in, you know, April and May of 2020. And it isn't just a constant, you know, ABC News flashes. It's really the family kind of talking about and absorbing all the trauma uh, and, and unsuredness around them. But um, David Siev is the filmmaker. He's the son in the family. He's sort of a participant in the film. It's absolutely fascinating. And uh, I encourage everybody to watch it. It is on uh, Amazon Prime. Nice. That's awesome. I don't know if that's your radar at all, Todd, for documentary nominees, but I, I hope Bad Axe gets a look by the Academy. It's it's terrific. Yeah, I think it popped up somewhere. It was like Critics' Choice documentary nominee or something. So I've, I, I've definitely heard of it, but I wasn't aware that was an Amazon movie. Yeah, it's I, I, I bought it on Amazon, just to be clear. Sorry, I, oh, I, I misspoke. Okay. But it is available to, to rent or purchase on Amazon. And I don't think we are hearing you, Terry. Hey, no, you weren't oh, hearing me. Go. I had it off. So, Bad wow. Axe is is this a is this a a, a spinoff of Small Axe? Uh, <laughs> it is not a spinoff of Small Axe. It might be a spinoff of Sweet Sweetback's Badass Bad Axe song. <laughs> oh, that was a bad joke. Come on, Adam. I should at least get a laugh from you. <laughs> it's this attempt at humor. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on then and get into our featured review. And for this, it is one of the most anticipated movies of the year. One of the biggest front runners for many, many Oscars. It is the new film from Steven Spielberg, The Fablemans. You can't just love something. You also have to take care of it. It's more important than your hobby. Can you stop calling it a hobby? Mom got a monkey. Why'd you get a monkey? Because I needed a laugh. You always have to be the center of attention. Stop shouting at her! Now there's been nothing but disrespect from you! I'm your mother! All right. For this one, uh, since uh, Adam has been doing his uh, journey with Spielberg on the Daily Notes podcast, we're going to let him start off and telling us about the Fablemans. <clears throat> so, Adam, tell us what this is about and what you thought. Now that I've asked this to start off, I have a lot of pressure now. So, the Fablemans is no pressure, the no pressure. eight. Just don't screw up. 
Yeah, don't screw it up. Don't mess up. <laughs> this is officially the eighth entry into the journey with Spielberg that I've been doing, going back and rewatching and or watching for the first time the Spielberg's uh, filmography and documenting our journey on the podcast. So this film is two hours and 31 minutes. It's written by Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner as pretty awesome cast of Gabriel LaBelle, Michelle Williams, Paul Dano, Seth Rogen, and Judd Hirsch. It, uh, this film takes us on a, the, to the Fableman's household. It's a fictionalized version of Spielberg's childhood. The film primarily follows Sammy Fableman as he is treated to a night out at the movies with his parents. His spark of the imagination to a film to film comes from moving pictures of the greatest show on earth with the help of his mother Mitzi played by Michelle Williams. He discovers a passion for telling stories with the, his camera with that camera. He will also uncover a family secret that will test the past, his passion and the strength of his family. So currently I believe that this film's box. I don't know the box office numbers for this weekend yet, but I think it's like it's past like, one of his films, I can't remember exactly, but it's near the bottom of his box office totals. But what I really liked about the film is that it it captures that nostalgic feel and that it's a very sentimental movie that has that Spielberg is known for in his his films, and it kind of captured magic in a bottle for me. I, I was kind of in awe. I laughed a lot of the, the the humor that played in there, and it kind of reminded of some of his other films that he did, especially scenes specifically uh, that he was making a war film. And it, I was like, man, if he was thinking about that kind of stuff back then, and seeing Saved Private Ryan, it's just kind of cool to see how he was able to tell stories and bring out the emotions in the people when they're even filming films that don't have like. Uh, not they're not talkies officially and seeing him kind of go at in this coming of age story and making films also got me very nostalgic for when the, at the time when i made films so it really kind of hit me at this really uh, special spot and the it's really awesome coming of age story that has a lot of awesome performances here specifically all these these child actors and I think Spielberg does a really good job having child actors in films. Of course, we're talking about films like E.T. That's kind of an iconic film for Zach and I. And he has a way of just having bringing the best out of the child actors. And I think that's what he definitely gets a lot out of his actors in this film. Uh, some of my favorite performances were Judd Hirsch when he's having this really powerful conversation with Sammy uh, there and in that room. And I can totally see why that he Judd Hirsch would be in the conversation for best supporting actor, like kind of taught at kind of predicted in this list too and i really like that performance i wish kind of wish he would have been in there maybe a little bit more but i think his scene was this really kind of really powerful powerful there uh, paul dano is probably my favorite performance there and his character i just really like him as well and can, he continues to show that he's had a really underrated year especially with like the films like the batman and uh seth rogan was solid and michelle williams is getting a lot of the, the praise here for her performance and she probably will get nominated but i don't think necessarily it's the best performance in the film but the ending was really excellent when they tied in hogan's heroes because i used to grow up on watching that show so i didn't realize maybe he he actually worked on that show so that's pretty uh, awesome to find out there and i liked when they brought in david lynch there as well and i think the ending was fascinating just really uh some of the best moments there when he's at, he's capturing the magic that's where this movie really works I feel like there's some parts in the middle where he's like in high school where they could have dug a little deeper into what kind of the struggles were for him, especially with the uh, the Jew hating kind of mentality of the at the time was. 
And I feel like that's where they could have maybe dug a little deeper into, but it wouldn't have that same sentimental uh, feel that it's kind of makes you feel good in the theaters to watch, especially the, the crowd being kind of an older crowd as well. I I'm really kind of high on this movie and I'm looking forward to watching it again. I'm at like three and a half stars for it. And I think maybe cause I'm just really high on Spielberg's movies right now, but this would currently fall on my journey with Spielberg between Jurassic Park and Indiana Jones and the last crusade. I'm only braiding on the films that I've talked about on Spielberg. So it's not that on the full list yet, but it's, it's a really uh, solid one that I'm, I'm interested to rewatch again because I think there was some really good um, magic that he had captured that he hasn't had for a long time. So, all right. So to answer your uh, your question, Fablemans came in at seven on the uh, box office, making two point two million this week, bringing its total up to three point four. It wasn't a wide release yet; it was expanded. There were only a few theaters around that had it. <clears throat> Uh, number one was Wakanda Forever at $45 million. Number two, Strange World, 11.9, which is really low for a Disney animated. Number three was Glass Onion in its one and only weekend in the, uh, in the theaters. Four, Devotion. Uh, five, The Menu. Six, Black Adam. Seven, The Fablemans. Eight, Bones and All. Nine, Ticket to Paradise. Still making some money. And number 10, Homecoming. So Zach, we're going to go to... What? Oh, so I guess technically this would fall at, right, he just passed the... Uh... The Sugarland Express. He's so this is going to be his thirty third highest rated grossing film, I guess. So. Yeah, th- this might be his his uh, kind of his least box office friendly movie in a long time. Zach, you're going to be next on this one. What do you think of the Fablemans? So, I mean, this was my number two most anticipated movie of the the year, which Todd ridiculed me for. Uh, but I was really looking forward to it. Uh, you know, like Adam was saying, Spielberg is a really influential director in all of our lives. But in particular, I thought it was really cool how good West Side Story was last year. So I was really looking forward to this movie. Um, it's not as good as West Side Story. It's messy, cluttered, unfocused at times, uh, really slow. And yet, I don't know, there is something kind of charming about it at the same time. Uh, it's it's hard to deny. Um I think the performances are really good in the movie. I mean, I was almost surprised by how good uh, Gabriel LaBelle was as Sammy. I mean, I think he's like <laughs> likable, but also a bit of a bit pushy when it comes to his hobby. But you know, the, the actor pulls it off really well. I thought Michelle Williams was tremendous. Actually, uh, I would I would d- go push back on Adam's comment a little bit. I think this is definitely a, a performance she should be nominated for, and I think. Looking at her performance, whether you can objectively say it's a great performance or not, really is sort of a metaphor for your entire feelings about the movie, okay? Because the movie, I realized after watching the movie, the the reason why I would give the movie thumbs up would be because I know a lot about Spielberg, and I've seen a lot of clips with Spielberg talk about his life, and I watched the Spielberg documentary, and I've seen a lot of his films, and I've known about him for a long time. And your appreciation of Spielberg uh is totally gonna and your knowledge of Spielberg is gonna totally dictate this movie I suppose it's true with every movie but in this movie in particular like I think Michelle Williams is amazing because she looks and talks exactly like Spielberg's mother who I've seen in interviews you know like it's it's uncanny um the movie is is corny I (laughs) the episodes are kind of strange and scattershot they tend to go on way too long the most interesting parts of Spielberg's life aren't on camera. Like what about the episode, you know, he's talked about how he uh, dealt with um, uh, uh, veterans of the war, of uh, the war and um, survivors of, of 
Auschwitz and how they would like lift up their arms and show him the numbers. He's talked about that in his Shoah Foundation talks and all that. So, you know, as a Spielberg fan, I wanted more. But what was probably the coolest part about the movie, and again, maybe I'm reading too much into it, was that you could kind of see his movies and some of the episodes from this movie. Like, and again, I don't know if it was subliminal or intentional. I bet it was to some degree intentional. But like, I couldn't help but th think about um, the uh, the desert uh, scene in uh, Saving Private Ryan. Sorry, the beach scene in Saving Private Ryan. Like when he's choreographing yep. the, the fight scene. And when they say, you know, he hates the beach, I thought about Jaws. And the scene even in that the school dance was a little bit uh, West Side Story and the closet stuff was E.T. The one thing that was kind of interesting about the movie was the, the at the end of the movie when he shows the ditch day kind of archival footage, right? And the kid comes up to him and he's like, you, yeah. you, you, you misrepresented me. I, I looked better than I really am. He has sort of guilt for it. I thought, that's Oscar Schindler. Like, you know, tall blonde guy who's like you know, Spielberg morphs his appearance and how he comes off on screen. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too deep into it, but that's the most fun part of the movie is thinking about the film's relationship to Spielberg's life. So I'm going to do a weird review. I'm giving it three stars for people who like Spielberg and know about Spielberg and two stars for everybody else. But for me, I like Spielberg, so I'm giving it three stars. I heard also yeah. a lot of comparisons for Close Encounters of the Third Kind as well in this one. That yeah, like the family ta dinner table and stuff like that. Yeah, it's all well, there. You can probably that's Rogan is totally Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> 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 all right, Todd, what do you think? Um, I don't know. I mean, I like sort of what Zach said. Like, I think this has got to be like the biggest ego trip movie of all time. Like, Spielberg's making a movie about himself, about what a genius he is, about how like clever and inspired he was as a kid and how he still is and how much he deserves an Oscar for this. Like, I think it's, it's incredibly self-aware and proud of itself. It's like right up there when like Robert Rodriguez created El Rey network, like right after grindhouse flopped and he just doubled down on it. Like it, it's like that level of ego, ego trip, but I don't know. The movie is like sex is corny. It's easy to follow. The sporting characters are fun. Like they're all likable actors. There's some memorable scenes for all of them to shine, except for kind of Seth Rogen. He deserved a bit more to do. And uh, the nostalgia is obviously just overflowing in this movie. You can feel that Spielberg really cares about the era and the characters and those settings and, and those movies. And the cinematography, I think, is really good. Michelle Williams, I think, is a revelation. She is, of course, a supporting performance. and But she's special. I think it's one of her two or three best performances. And Paul Dano, his part is kind of tricky. It's not really his usual thing. He's really impressive. I think he should get his first nomination for this as well. But the middle, I think it drags. Uh, it, it is, it's exactly what you expect it to be, but for, for some reason it's kind of enough in this case. It's a, it's a family movie. It would definitely be the most unconventional best picture winner since American Beauty. I, it's constantly winking at the camera, like begging for the audience's appreciation and it gets it for the most part. It's like, it's cause it's like flawed and certainly nothing more than popcorn entertainment, which is basically all of Spielberg's non-true stories. And yeah, it, just, it fits right in and it's. It's not all that dissimilar from West Side Story, with especially how it portrays the children and the high school and the conflicts and how nostalgic it makes it all feel. And I also couldn't help but think about um, the Eli from The Girl Next Door. If this is his life, if it was another life, because like when he's talking to that one guy about, you know, you need to do this. You need to be way better at this. It's like when he's talking to the porn star and being like, think Meryl Streep, Sophie's Choice. Um, <laughs> three stars out of respect. Three stars out of respect. It's generous. All right. I think I'm going to be the lowest one on this. I'm going to go two and oh, a half wow. stars. Um, Whoa. It is. It's slow. It's too long. 
um it uh it's, it's very well it's very well done that, that's the thing <clears throat> this movie is very well done but when i was watching it and i got to the end of it i thought to myself why like you we've we've had this run of of uh semi-autobiographical coming of age stories right and all of them are are told in this way that uh it opens it up to these to these uh, broader stories that you're able to connect with. I'm thinking like Belfast and Armageddon time, and even going back to Roma. Uh, there, there are these stories that are, that are love letters to their, to their upbringing, their love letters to their parents, their love letters to all these different things. The Fablemans is a love letter to Steven Spielberg and to his own films. It is the, the most uh, just, I forget what word I was going to use, but just the, the most like um, self reverence you could possibly have in a movie. And, um, and as I'm watching it, I, I, I couldn't believe that that's all this was. I, I mean, you have, you have like real, like in other, in the other movies, you have like real relatable characters. And in this, it's like, Oh no, am I going to make movies anymore or not? I'm like, this, this, the, the crisis of faith in this character, you don't, it doesn't relate to anything. Um, with that said, it's very well done. The best parts of it are when they're showing him making the movies and they're, they're showing uh, him in action. That's, that's where this movie shines. Uh, Michelle Williams would, uh, would I, I agree with what a lot of people are saying. She would win easily if she was in supporting actress. Um, she's going to, she should get lost in support in lead actress because there's no way. Paul Dano's amazing. I have no idea why Judd Hirsch is getting any Oscar buzz for this. He's on the screen for five minutes. Um, and when you consider it's a two and a half hour movie and you gave, you literally gave him one scene. He's got one scene. I mean, Viola Davis in doubt had two scenes, you know, Judy Dench in Shakespeare in love has two or three scenes. He's got one scene and you're going to give him an Oscar nomination for this. Come on. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to give it three stars out of respect, but at the same time, this is, it's too, it's too much Spielberg patting himself on the back. Look and look at how, look at how great I am. So I'm going two and a half with that said, I love the final shot. And I know that was probably Zach's least favorite part. No, I, I like the final shot. Okay. I love the final shot. I thought that was, that was like, I one of the it was, best it was a clever way. Yeah. It's a clever way to end it. I liked it. And, and, um, it, uh, I uh, until the credits rolled, I thought David Lynch was uh, Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> I guess the lack of Australian accent. Well, he's done American accents. Um, that was an it, that was an interesting review, Terry. I, it feels like you are attacking Spielberg as a as a person, as a character, more so than looking at the movie as a whole. And I don't know if I agree with that hero worship take. I mean, I think he's pretty hard on himself. There, there are times in the movie that he doesn't act when he should act. And there are times in the movie that he, he you know, he engages in sort of a moral battle of himself. But I, I, don't, I don't think he comes off as someone who's greater, holier than thou. I mean, I think he's kind of taken the task at times. Well, he does in terms of his, like, profession. Like, he, he, he thinks he's God, and that's why he's making this movie. But, I mean, yeah, he's not a perfect person, but he thinks he's a perfect director. Now, that's why I'm saying it's it's the biggest ego trip I think I've ever seen. I mean, and like, next to, like, Tarantino, like, nobody has ever really done this. <laughs> like, um, made a I movie about themselves making movies. 
and and let me clarify a little bit. I think I disagree. What, what I'm that. saying is he his he told his story at so mm-hmm. narrow of a focus on him and and his story that it made it hard to relate to. Where where other where I feel like the other you know semi autobiographical coming of age movies it tells a it tells a little bit of more of a broader story that allows for the audience to connect a little more. Mm, I don't know. I don't agree with that either. I think the it's a good movie. I, I think the biggest problem is that it's just slow. It's really what Todd was saying. It just, it just takes forever to get there. I think if they had cut 30, 45 minutes of it and kind of like even even if, if the movie had been cut into like little sections of his life, it almost made me think if it was a limited series and each of those were kind of episodes that might have it might have flowed better. But I, I think I liked almost all the parts of the movie. It's just it was a pacing issue. Hmm. And I might I might agree with that, too. I, I, I enjoyed. I didn't like Uncle the, Boris. I thought that was pretty, pretty dumb. I, I enjoyed most of the parts of the movie, but as a whole, I didn't get it. You know what part I liked? I, I it, maybe you guys are gonna. I think Adam will agree with me because he likes the movie. He sounds like him and I are the biggest defenders. Uh, I like when he gets a girlfriend. And normally, I don't like the high <laughs> school kind of bullshit scenes like that. And I figured Spielberg would have to throw a few in there. But yes, like, it's his trademark. Yeah, he's like a nerdy Jewish kid, you know. And and then the girls are suddenly interested in him. I can't think of a movie that does that. I can't think of a movie that shows a, an uncool kid and then suddenly, for no real reason. Uh, the girls suddenly get interested in him, and uh, I could identify with that scene. Uh, and it was a, uh, a, a, a I, I liked his girlfriend. I thought that was an interesting part of the movie. And I, yeah. you know, that wasn't the focus of the movie. Like in the high school stretch was like forty five minutes or something. Like it wasn't, that wasn't the, like if it was a high school movie, yeah, that would be part of it. But that was high school Spielberg. That that was that was interesting. Yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand where you guys are coming from, and I, I maybe I had the more of the uh, nostalgic feel for the Spielberg love that I, I do have, and especially going back and watching some of his stuff, I can understand and where you guys are coming from. I don't know, I, 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 I thought there was some moments that I, I definitely thought were entertaining and charming. I could get it, it. I thought it was, it is long, and I get that. That's why I was like the conflict where they could have really went into was at the high school spot where being so long, there's no way they can possibly go into the, the main conflict of calling somebody a food, I guess. So, and, and I think they could have expanded a little bit more where the limited series would have probably made it a little bit more interesting and more focused and not so scattered, I guess, too. <laughs> it's not necessarily perfect in it, but for me, I just, I don't know. I, maybe I ate it up and it, deserves that rewatch again but i i i was thoroughly spielberg tamed so and yeah, i could I think, see totally eating it up i i it just i just didn't get it i think yeah. you guys are yeah a little disingenuous from the story because the two movies i thought of while watching it were licorice pizza i thought there were some undeniable parallels mm-hmm. with just how shaggy and kind of disconnected that movie was but also kind of interesting at the same time and the other movie i thought of which I believe Todd has seen is Wildlife, the the Carrie Mulligan, you know, Paul Dano movie. In mm. the sense that, you know, Paul Dano, I guess, is there, but like that movie's about a kid who sees firsthand the disillusion of a marriage or a marriage kind of unraveling in front of him, and he may be a culprit to it. That movie had a much stronger sense of tone and vision, but I felt like this movie kind of conjured up some of those same kind of interesting plot points about a, a young kid who's kind of witnessing things he doesn't understand. One thing I will say is uh, similar to Colin Farrell, Paul Dano has had incredible bookends to this year with uh, the Batman and now the Fablemans. 
of showing just how how much range he has. And yeah, I I really do hope he gets his uh, his first Oscar nomination for this. Definitely should. Definitely should. All right. Well, we've got three and a half from Adam. We got three from Zach and Todd. Two and a half from me. How? When was the last time I was the lowest on a movie like this? Yeah, for some reason, I thought you were going to be the highest. So let's get into our deep dive. And, well, do we want to do deep dive or do we want to do Mount Rushmore before we hit, get into the deep dive? Let's Since it really Mount has nothing Rushmore. to do. Let's do let's do the Mount Rushmore first. So uh, we are deep diving super bad in honor of our 200th episode. Tonight is our last party as high school people. You know when you hear girls saying like, oh, I was so gone last night. I shouldn't have slept with that guy. We could be that mistake. Engage. We saved this one till now because it was going to be a lot of fun to do for number 200. Uh, But our Mount Rushmore this week is really uh, focusing in on us celebrating number 200. And uh, Todd, I think you're the one that really came up with this idea. So why don't you tell us exactly what this Mount Rushmore is? I mean, I don't think I was, but I can, I can talk about it. <laughs> talk about it. Perfect. Well, I mean, with Superbad, that's something that, especially Zach and I, like, we quote all the time, like, and not even realizing that we're quoting it. And so it, it's brought up a lot, especially subliminally in our podcast, but it'd be too obvious to just say, like, yeah, we, we reference Superbad and Apollo 13 sideways the most, obviously. But we so we're going with the most low-key most reference movies in the of the almost sideways podcast this is the steven spielberg ego trip uh version of our Mount Rushmore here and um yeah so this will be this will be interesting i don't don't know how how obscure we're going here or how uh what what the threshold is but uh this this should be fun i think it's all it's always good to have to have some uh some self-referential um ego trip stuff that comes up especially you know we're celebrating 200th episode here uh i i think i think it's good i think it's good that we that we do something like this so uh i we've got we've got four on here so we're gonna have four submissions and then are we are we planning on having a consensus pick at the end is that is that the deal i think consensus pick could be sideways itself (laughs) because that's not low key though that's that's our podcast that is true somewhat subtle yeah okay then never mind we'll cut that out which we won't no. no, we're not. <laughs> I'm going to okay go first. It's not subtle, too. It just can't be one of those movies, I think. I'm going to go first. And I think I'm the only one that quotes this movie on here. But I've noticed I've quoted it. Either I've quoted it or I've thought about quoting it a lot. I think we'll be deep diving it at some point next year. I'm going with the Italian job. Ooh. Um, I think multiple times I've had as my quote of the day, I've had a bad experience. Yeah. And then whenever I don't know what to go with for a topic, I let you guys go first. And then when you're done in my head, I go, well, I don't know. I'll just take one of each of yours. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I feel like I quote that at least in my head a lot more than I probably should. Um, but that that's one that I thought of. And I was like, OK, I'm going to say the Italian job. I quote way more than I than I probably should. 
Yeah, that's a good. And you, you do quote that a lot. And I know the movie really well. It's just not something that always pops in my head like that. Yeah. I like it. All right. We're going to go to Zach next. Well, this was a t- this was really tough because, I mean, you could go with, I don't know what's considered <laughs> subtle or not. I think <laughs> yeah, that's at the some hard part. point you just sort of have to remove it. But um, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't, again, I, I don't know if this is a s- subtle or not, but I, can I say Boogie Nights? I mean, I feel like we reference that all the time. Or is that not subtle enough? Like, Go for I it. feel like well, we did would... a deep dive of it. I think that disqualifies it from being low key. Okay, so it can't be a movie we deep dove. Oh, okay, that's an, I mean, that's, that a, that's like actually a good. Yeah. Okay, I should have thought about that. Well, I just don't think it's like the first movie we would say that we reference all the time. Uh, I feel like it would maybe be like it would be in the twenty through thirty range potentially. I mean, and we t- but we talk about it a lot. It seems like like we're always referencing. I don't know. You're right. Maybe that. Okay. Come back to me. I'm gonna pull an audible here. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna go to uh, we're gonna go to Adam oh, next God. because Adam is one that. I mean, you're you're on the main show sometimes, but really you're you're more of a listener. So as a oh, as a thanks. listener to this podcast, <laughs> more than more than a contributor to the main show, um, what would you say is a movie that we low key quote a lot? Uh, I think one thing you guys quote a lot is Adam didn't understand this list. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so it, I could, it, that, it's not really a quote of anything, but yes, that, I'm that, quoting that's, that's whoever that said that. <laughs> <laughs> quoting whoever said it. Uh, Men in black is not a not a, a pronoun. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> um, I had Big Lebowski down. I don't. I again. I don't know. I I think there's several times where people referencing beverages being here and uh, tied the show together and being out of your element, being out of the element, and I could I could definitely see that. I know that I've quoted, I've said stuff like that too. So I would probably say the Big Lebowski is being a really if we're talking about really low key, that probably is really kind of a low key one. I think that's fair, and we haven't deep dove it. And we haven't deep dove in. I think I think I feel like we did a recast though. We did a recast. It was one of our first in, ones. Yeah, back in the early early days. Yeah, early, early ones. Yeah. All right, Zach, are you ready yet? Or should oh, I, 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 I have I have one because okay, we have not deep dove this movie, although we might next year. And again, I don't give a shit if it's subtle or not. I'm going with Vantage Point. We, we, oh, yes. we quote that movie yes. all the time, and we don't even really reference that we're quoting it. We just assume that other people have talked about it, especially as, much as Terry and I have. So I think that's subtle for pretty much all of our listeners who don't know us and know the story behind that movie. Uh, and uh, that's that's my pick. We weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, most most quoted trailer by far. Vantage Rewind point. that. Yeah. Totally worth it. Great, mm-hmm. great choice. Great selection. Don't listen to President Ashton. He's a clone. <laughs> but first, Whitaker gets on video. He does. <laughs> he does. All right. I'm in pursuit of a suspect. Todd. <laughs> right, well, I wasn't really thinking about ones that we quote the most. I mean, we just said yeah, most, like that we reference the most. So if you're going back, like through the history of our podcast, all 200 episodes, for the first maybe 150 episodes, we could not get through without referencing Tony Erdmann. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. I think that, yeah. I don't know. I mean, That's I think one call. or two of us actually saw the movie, but it's something that <laughs> just yet. kept popping up. It was like a, like a, like a 
I don't know, a jo- like a bar joke or whatever. Take a shot every time you hear Tony Erdman. Essentially, you could do that with our podcast. That's a I'm great not- call. I'm not sure if it's a compliment or insult that after all those references, still only two of us have seen it. But that must say something about <laughs> yeah, our ability true. to influence or not influence. Yeah, that's a good point. But that's it's great in of... keeping with the spirit of Spielberg. Like, <coughs> I mean, yeah, that's very, I kind of low-key thought. Now that I'm thinking back about it, Air Force One could have been something that if, like, if we're talking about me, I'm definitely the one that would reference that one quite a lot as well but yeah not main show podcast worthy but that's why i'm on the b show but um (laughs) or on the d show the daily show um but (laughs) air force one would be something i would say too all right so we've got we've got the italian job we got the big lebowski we got vantage point we got tony erdman which is a great list never never ever are these four movies ever going to be put into a list together ever again oh god but do we have do we have any others that we could talk about i thought of one speed and die hard we did a deep dive of speed we did but if we were doing speed we haven't you guys haven't done die hard yet right have we not we didn't i feel like we because die hard's next year Die Hard's next year, I think. <clears throat> that, that'll probably come up next year. Yeah. So, so did you have any others written down? Yeah, I, I wrote down um, Alpha Dog. I guess we did do a deep dive of that. Um, La Belle Noisus, uh, because of the director and his connection to Showgirls, which I guess oh, I should yeah. mention. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, the Adam's Family Values, every time Adam yep. and Zach get together. Hell yeah, Bata Zoo, The King of Comedy, The House That Jack Built. And uh, the one that I thought Terry was going to say is Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. Yeah, oh, that's, that's a, a good, good one, too. It's, yeah, that is a good one. It's way better than Todd thinks it is. I I think Barb and Star might need to be our our, uh, our consensus pick. I like that Todd just, like, you know, whipped it out in the words of Seth and just brought it, you know. That was a great list. I couldn't think of any of those. Yeah, like, that, that was hard time. that was yeah. spectacular. I, I gave it like ten minutes of thought. So, yeah, that was like a fantastic voyage right there. Yeah, it was just this whipped out. It's a perfect ten, <laughs> almost. I had an eight, but yes, <laughs> it'd be a bowling bowling side or something. I, I thought about saying Top Gun because I quote that all the time. Because this list is long and distinguished we should have just but, submitted uh, submitted our own picks to be even more self-indulgent because obviously we know ourselves and we're the only ones who listen to ourselves <laughs> there, there is something to that there is something to that all right so italian job the big lebowski vantage point tony erdman and barb and star go to vista Del oh my wow what a random random five groupings of movies oh and metal like- gear solid Metal Gear Solid oh. too. You get reference to Metal Gear. If you're talking one video game, Metal Gear. What the? That's a good one too. All right. Well, now, now that we've done that, gotten that out of the way, that was great. Let's get yeah. in to our. Oh, and Margaret. I forgot to say Margaret. Oh, Margaret. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, we can't. But see, we can't and, go and Mar- saying that. Margaret comes. It, it has a deeper meaning because it, it's it's representative <laughs> of something. I think that has to be the the uh, the Taft pick is Margaret. We we can we can throw it's it the, on there too. It's the threshold for all movie for all other future movie disagreements are judged on. Our Mount Rushmore is getting long, but it's getting pretty ungainly. Yes, <laughs> and distinguished. Yes, exactly. 
So is my Johnson. All right. Speaking of that, let's go to super bad. And we're going to start with trivia. Oh God. Adam go. is hosting trivia. Oh God. This has to be better than the departed. So tell us, tell us how we're doing this, Adam. I, I think that because we're, we're at an, almost an hour, we need to do it all three at one time. You get your okay. pen, pens and papers, boys. We're writing shit down. All right. Pussy's on the pavement, fellas. <laughs> get it ready. Great. I love it. I was going to oh reference that. Word. Anyway. <laughs> oh. Fuck me, right? Yeah. All right. Um. <laughs> All right. So first test question, just so we understand the rules here, is uh, what types of foods are shaped like dicks? All right. What we got? All right. Uh, we got. Oh, you got. Yeah. yeah all foods. Right. The Yeah. All foods. Okay. Sandwich. The best yeah, kinds. Should... Yeah, yeah, the best kinds. The best kinds is right. I should get a half point, though, because the first thing they show is a, is a sandwich. No, but the actual question should have been. How many shoe foods are shaped like dicks? <laughs> yeah, that's Not, why it was just a test. I love, I love we're already giving Adam shit. Adam, do this, do that. Give Terry a point. Reword the question. <laughs> no, that was the test question. So shut up, all you guys. All right, next. First, a real question is, what does Evan want in his porn if he's paying top dollar for it? Total of four points on the table for it, fellas. All right, I need to see here. Um, hold on a second. Let's see here. We got production value, camera angles, direction by the Coens, production value, and lighting. Uh, what does yours say? I said editing, uh, directing, lighting, cinematography. We need some production. Who said production value? I said I production did. value. Okay, production <clears throat> value. We need some editing. So that was Todd as well. Does anybody have editing other than Todd? Transitions. No. Transitions. Oh, transitions. And some music. Music. Uh, I'm sorry that the Coens don't direct the kind of porn I watch, Evan. That's not a good one. <laughs> They're kind of hard right. to get a hold of. So, <laughs> so, so we all got one from that? Uh, Todd got two. Everybody else got one. I think uh, I only got one. We got editing. Said editing. Oh, okay. It just okay. said editing. Okay, it just said editing. Okay, sorry. One, one, one. What, what's the school that Seth, Evan, and Fogel attend? I got nothing. Clark County, Clark High. It's Clark Secondary School. So I will give is half points good or just you know, one give, point. Give them each a point. They got Clark. They said Clark. We got good. Clark uh, County's in Nevada. Yeah. What time did Fogel say to Nicola? Nicola, the girl. What time did Fogel oh. say to Nicola? Five, four. What time Seth Rogen would have said. What three, time <laughs> two, one. All right. Closest one, I guess, will get the point. Oh, my goodness. Is that got it right on the button? 1033. Heck yes. Uh, where does Seth put his dick drawings? It's an in item plus a movie. Actually, they do go in his mouth. Uh, well, in his mouth, but I'm talking about. I need the evidence, yes. On Becca's foot. I might, I might just give Zach a point for that one. <laughs> that was a good one. I think he Five, deserves, four, three, I think he deserves two. it. All right. All right. He deserves a point. There we go. Ghostbusters lunchbox. Ghostbusters lunchbox. Everybody got a point there. Good job, everybody. All right. All right. Two points here. What does Seth consider the girls at state are? What would the girls at state do to Seth? Um, All right. Zach, what do you got? Dumb and dumber. It's I don't know it. All right, what do you got, Terry? 
more likely dumber and more likely to get with him and down to F. And what does that say? Crazy. Great. Yeah. Uh, he half as smart and twice as likely to fellatio him. <laughs> so you guys just I'm, determine the the pointage on that. I one. mean, I got the 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 general gist of it. I just didn't quote the line. I don't think True. anyone gets a point. Yeah, nobody. I don't think that works. Okay. What? All right. Okay. All right. This is a fun one. What drinks were on the list that they gave to Fogel for the party? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven options here, folks. Five. Four, three, two, and one. We're gonna start with Zach. What do we have wrote Read down? The list. Read the Read list. Read your list, Zach. Read your Raz- list. Raspberry vodka, gold slick, scotch, beer, Kyle's killer lemonade, vodka, and gin. Well, I don't know about those last two. Okay, shit. So you said Kyle's killer. Kyle's killer lemonade. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Okay, uh, Todd. You got four. Have- by the way. Uh, gold slick vodka, Kyle's killer lemonade, spiced okay. rum, scotch, bourbon, tequila, and gin. But Zach's right with raspberry vodka. I forgot about that one. You got five, Todd. Terry. All right, I've got bourbon, tequila, hard lemonade, vodka, scotch, and gold slick vodka, which actually wasn't on the list. Evan added it later. Because he read through the list. He read through the list and then Evan went, Oh no, oh gold slick vodka. No, that, that's wrong. It's you're the other round. It was the lemonade. It was the lemonade. Yeah, lemonade. He's like, oh, and Kyle's I had, lemonade. I had the wrong one. Which yeah, is funny because yeah, they're kind of so close with $96. It's like <laughs> he needs yeah. to add something on right at the last second. All right. So I had a gold or Kyle's killer lemonade, gold slick, ouzo, bourbon, spiced rum, raspberry vodka, and scotch. So, so two of us got we got how many? I got five. Zach got five. Four, four, four. and Terry got. And I'm losing. Yeah, so I got five. Yeah, you got five though. Oh, currently Zach's in the lead with nine. Todd, eight, and Terry has seven. All right. Uh, what's McLovin's birthday? Closest one to it gets the point. Uh, Zach, what you got? Six three eighty one. Uh, December third. And what's that say? Uh, July tied? 10th, 1981. It was 6381. So uh, Zach got the point on that Stupid one. Right numbers. on. You get extra points. <laughs> <You> clown. <laughs> you clown. All right. We have a point. Um, what are the other weird names that uh, Michaels and Slaters tell McLovin that they have also come across? One, what? two, three, four, five. There's five names that they. Like people have a lot of weird names. Oh, okay. That was the Terry question of the room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a good blend of all you guys' questions in here. Okay, I'm trying to at least. How many are there? Five. Not including McLovin. Five, four, three. Does the spelling two. count? No. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it does for this. Yeah. One. Okay. What do you have? To, okay, you have that. Okay. We got. Two. Oh, this is this is this is interesting because Terry has a different spelling than the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. The important so part is the pH. Shakira, Chingy, and fuck. Okay, we got Todd with three three pointer right there. Chingy, Those were the Shakira, three names. Raph, and Pax, and right. fuck. I don't remember nah. that at all. Oh, with a PH. <laughs> with a PH. So it's really, it's weird. Rogan says Shakira in like a really weird way. That's the only reason I remember that one. Yeah. 
All right. How uh, how many months has Michael's been a comp? All right. Five, four, three, two, one. Uh, six months. Twenty. Oh, six mis- months. I misunderstood the question. But he only had a gun for a few months. Correct. Yes. This is a stupid question. I'm going to delete this question. This is dumb. Oh no, no. We got to we got to hear it. Uh, okay. What two calls do Slater and Michaels get called to, and what's their call numbers? Oh, see, see, that's, that's <laughs> okay, move on. Nothing. <laughs> what? Well, two, that's a great okay. question, but well, there's no way we're getting it. Yeah. No. 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 I almost, wanna... I almost can come up with like the the house number, but I. Yeah. The the Mark, Mark's house is two five seven. Mark's house is fifth and Paysview and two four five code. Bailey's Bar and Grill, East Twenty Fourth Montgomery, and their call number, their truck, their car number is ninety eight. Stupid question. Too many numbers. All right. Uh, what two songs were playing when Frog Seth became a blood brother? What two songs were playing when Seth became a blood brother? I don't know. I can, I can hear the song. I don't know what the hell it's called. Well, you, if I you can give tell me the you artist, I can give you a point. Yeah, <laughs> it dances. Oh God. All right. You can tell me the artist if you know it. I would accept that. All right. Five, four. Brutal. Three, this is two, the boot one. camp, these Adam questions. Well, I thought I was trying to make them better than the last time I did trivia. Uh, we got, what's that say? Boogeyman. Oh, that's a good song that does play in it, but not at this specific scene. When they're dancing? Notorious uh, B.I.G. Yes. Big, Big Papa. That is the song, actually. Oh, oh come yeah. on. Big Papa yeah. and Echoes by the Rapture was the first song. Yeah, I was gonna say that. Yeah, the Big that Papa first was second. one. He's like, yeah. and he's dancing like. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Um, where should you meet a girl instead of a bar, according to Michaels? Doesn't he give a few answers? He does. There's a total of four here. Oh, okay. Oh. Total of four. <laughs> Maybe I made them too obscure. I don't know. This is, don't know. You, this guys, is you guys are, this you guys is, are making good. you guys are making good. Uh, you guys are getting points. So that's the, that's the point. That's the that's the good. And they're not all at the beginning of the. They're not at the beginning of the movie like most trivia's are posted. <laughs> all right, five, four, three, two. And oh, my pen ran out. God damn it. Okay, we'll start with Todd. <laughs> <laughs> I only had two. What does it say? A pumpkin patch in a farmer's market. Correct. I've got nothing. You got nothing? Depending uh, on the Zach. season, pumpkin patch. Spin class, <laughs> farmer's market, pumpkin patch if the season is right, and paintball, which is where we what met. Was your, second what was your oh. first one? Spin class. Spin That's right. Uh, That's yeah, a good one. Uh, so paintball was uh, Slater, but I guess that wouldn't was... count. But any uh, pumpkin patch, spin class, farmer's market, or any socially non-threatening places? So, okay, three more. Zach's digging for a pen. Oh my god, this one—it's <laughs> not a whiteboard marker. <laughs> yeah, at least I can see those, uh, that pen a lot better. Find that. Oh, uh, what I mean beer does Seth put into the detergent bottles? What is what's it called? The, what's the brand of beer? They, they do mention it. Slater mentions the beer because uh. he's drinking it too. All right, five, four, three, two, one. What do you got? Golden 
Stella Artois. No, 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 no. And it looked like Bright, Stella. It looked okay. like a Stella label. White lager. It's a, a Binion's Mellow Beer. Binion's. Oh, Binion's. He does say Binion's. That's quite a question there. Sorry, yeah. Yellow okay. beer, not light. Yeah, okay. What two items do the guys bring to the party, and who were they? They were bringing these two items to the party, and there's out of the three guys, two of them brought the same items. What? Are we talking about the same movie? Which party? The ending, Jules' party, the ending party. They were bringing two items to that party that's non-alcoholic, and the two different people brought the same items out of Fogel, Evan, or Seth. I thought this was a really good question until you guys Was this in the director's cut? No, because oh, they... Oh, I got, I got it. <laughs> they don't happen at the same time. Once, yeah, I, I don't want to get... Well, one's revealed earlier on in the oh, movie, oh, oh, and then oh, one's oh, revealed oh, at the oh, end oh, of the one movie. Of them, one of them doesn't it, make it there it. with all of it. Um, yeah, and they're bringing them to the party. Yeah, they're taking them. To I, the I don't like these uh, mind game it. twisted logic twists. You're gonna know what it is. We're good. When I yeah, say we're good. You're good. What is it? Condoms and spermicidal lube. Fogel, Evan, condoms, lube. Okay. Oh, uh, I, I didn't say who it was, but yeah, I knew, obviously I knew that. Why? So, that the wording to that question was insane. I, I couldn't. Yeah, I, I didn't get it. I mean, I mean, Evan doesn't make it there with the lube because yeah, it, it explodes in the parking lot. <laughs> Okay, last question. I apologize. Okay, hopefully that's a good one. That's it. What is the greatest donut in burnout history called? Oh, oh. <laughs> he's not usually this drunk when he does this. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's gonna be great. That's a great line. He, he's, like, he's not usually this drunk when when he destroys a cop car. <laughs> I need you to sign this form and just says, yeah, they stole it from us. <laughs> they destroyed the how they left it. Five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> Todd, what do you got? Um, I wrote the front fishtail. Front fishtail. Okay, no. It's got to be close. Zach. Someone who has never been in my kitchen. <laughs> Someone who's never been in my kitchen. Huh? I like that. Almost worked for Terry. I got nothing. I got nothing. The upward spiral pigtail. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, well, you guys got you guys scored a lot of points. That's a good point. Um, in third place, there's a or tied for second is uh, Terry and Zach with fourteen. We tied. tied yeah, you guys tied with fourteen. Uh, Todd won with how many? Oh, got it. Fifteen. Uh, you guys have you have nineteen, Todd. Nineteen points. I thought for sure. I even looked it up. What the name of the video game that Evan was playing was? It's called the Getaway Black Monday. I was like, that's the Adam question. I thought it was Siphon Fitter uh, Filter, but I, I was like, nah, I'm not gonna do that one. <laughs> I thought you were gonna ask where Jimmy's brother is from, or no, sorry, the guy, the guy at the party whose brother came from. Oh, it wasn't Mesa, Arizona. It was no, Scottsdale. it was not home of uh, Oscar winner. Uh, what's his name? For concert. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. I did have like Johnson. a who was the guy who spit on a on a Seth's shirt, but and oh. who's throwing a party? Jesse. Jesse. Yeah. See, I I didn't want to lead. I wanted to have my questions spread out throughout the movie. So, yeah. Well, there we go. Hopefully, you guys did good. You guys did good. It was fun. All, All right. right. Well, feels like anyway. 
last six weeks of home ec or something, making tiramisu. <laughs> That yeah, I said there's two weeks up. left to school, but then he says in that week there's one week left to school. So I don't know. I thought they said three. I thought that there's three weeks left to school, and then okay, they said it's two not weeks. With that. <laughs> yeah, they're not consistent. Just drilling holes. Yeah, Fuck purpose, it. Though. <laughs> Todd, open us up. Tell us uh, your experience with Superbad. Uh, so Superbad came out uh, in 2007 after Knocked Up, which I was a huge fan of. It was in my top five of that year. And I was like, super bad. This looks dumb. I looked at the at the poster and I was like, I don't know. Like, they're bringing that guy. He's going to be the main character. I don't get it. And then when I, it got great reviews and we go to see it. And then it's just like, I knew I was at the perfect time in my life. I was, what, 18, 19 when this came out. It was, I mean, you, it got me at the perfect time. Because this movie was something that I have seen. I, I mean, I'd be a like line if it wasn't like at least 75 times like i when i was like at a certain age in my like early 20s every time i would see my best friend josh like we uh we would watch either the girl next door and or super bad and that was over the for like a good three years and that was like maybe twice a week so i've seen this movie so many times i can quote it backward backwards and forwards apparently not completely because um there's some of those questions but (laughs) There's so there's some there, there's so much perfect like Seth Rogen stuff in this. I mean, it, you could tell that he wanted to play Seth. I mean, he would have been a great Seth too. But like Jonah Hill is unbelievable, and Michael Sarah come like coming out of Arrested Development and, be, and oh yeah, I know right? It's just perfect. And then finding this guy Christopher Mintz Plast, which just makes the movie comedy gold. I mean, and it, and it doesn't, Chicka, this doesn't, yeah, doesn't yeah. age at all. It's 15 years old. And I mean, it still seems like something that's super current. Only a couple of references maybe could be changed. It's, um, it's great. It's one of the great high school movies, one of the great hangout movies. And it has a big heart along with like a million laughs. I, I, I love everything about Superbad. So I've maybe seen Superbad three times maybe four wow um yeah i've not seen it much and i'm i mean i get it but i'm also not the hugest fan like i gave it three stars i was looking today it's my number 51 movie of 2007 wow Um, out of how many out of where's it on the secret list 60 (laughs) it's not it's not on the secret list zach um, secret list uh, I'm never going li- to hear the end of that could that be something um, that's also Loki reference 51 just like Adam's bonus just yeah. recently. Uh, that's a good one Adam's <laughs> bonus <laughs> Terry's there we that yes <laughs> it's 51 out of 92 so when I when I burn my food it's it's like mid mid <laughs> mid level of 2007 um, Boy Meets World. I don't know. I guess I was kind of, when it came out, like Todd was saying, it was like the perfect time for him. I feel like maybe I was just kind of past it. Um, even rewatching it now, it's the, a lot of the humor just, I don't know, it doesn't hit with me. Uh, um, it's because you're old. But You're, you're the oldest know, of all I know, of us. That's that, what I'm saying. That, that is true. That's it. why it doesn't, that's why I just, it just doesn't, it, it never rang rang super true for me so i don't know i don't know it's good it's it's funny but i i wouldn't i would not say it's an all-timer 
So. Wow. Zach, wow. how about you? I also want to add when Todd references something as a hangout movie to the list of overused uh, references on our show. But uh, in this case, <laughs> Todd is accurate. Um, like Adam was saying, 2007 was a good year for Shia LaBeouf. And it was also a good year for this movie. You see what yeah. I did there? Um, yeah. So uh, I love this movie, too. Um, I Clearly, we didn't see it together, Terry. I don't know where. I Actually, I think I know who I saw it with. I, I think I saw, I don't know if I would say this on camera. I think I saw it with my current wife's ex-boyfriend. Oh, wow. <laughs> there we go. Perfect. About. And I that, know made, what you're talking about. that made for, for <laughs> a fun viewing. It was also interesting watching this movie last night. And part of why I'm at this studio space behind me that all the listeners are enjoying is uh, my in-laws are at the house. And so watching this movie with in-laws was a fun experience. There we and go. It was, uh, not, I mean, they, I, they, I think they enjoyed it. They didn't talk a whole lot. I was expecting to get some content from them for this episode, like pilferage and some, some okay, content. Okay, which I, in-laws, though? Uh, well, uh, my, my father-in-law uh, <laughs> and uh, one of my wife's brothers. And I think we all enjoyed the movie. Uh, I'll tell you some of their biggest laughs, maybe as, as we get close. We had one laugh that I had not had in a really long... Uh, I, I don't think I recognize how great this line was, but I'll, I'll have to look in my notes to see what it was. I don't know, Terry, you're lame. You know, Fablelands was a good movie. This is a great movie. Um, <laughs> it, it is gloriously 2007, in the same way you guys said Triple X is gloriously 2002. Uh, I'll agree with that. Not, not so much in, like, the technology or the music, which is strangely in the 70s, yeah, um, but yeah. it's it's 2007 in that you could never make this movie today. It would just it would be too many hot button cultural issues. It just it would and it's almost comical watching this movie to see the ways it could never be remade today. And yet at the same time, I do have an admiration for it because just like Todd was saying, there's a nostalgia to it. There's a certain innocence to the movie that I think is is really charming. And we just don't live in those times anymore. You could you know blame whatever you want to blame, but this movie has a sort of like earnest charm. Um, and and real like sensitivity to it also that I think is really rare and distinctive. And in a way, I think it's Apatow's like warmest movie. I mean, you look at the last 20 minutes of this movie, this movie is basically like Porky's and Fast Times at Ridgemont High, but funnier and better. And then in the 20 minutes, last 20 minutes, it's definitely veers and it zags out of that direction into something a lot more meaningful and closer to like sideways. So I can understand the real love for this movie. I think it, it it's really hilarious. It launched the career of so many people. I mean, we have multiple Oscar winners, nominees in this cast. It launched, you know, uh, Barry. We wouldn't have the sideshow were it not for Bill Hader. Um, but uh, it also proved that Seth Rogen was more than just a, an, an actor, but also a great writer. Um, it, 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 it's an amazing movie. I think it actually, in the way that it holds up horribly, actually kind of holds up beautifully. Well, see, you said it couldn't be made today. They tried. It was that stupid movie that you guys like, the, the Good Boys or something. Yeah, oh, yeah. I know you're talking about Booksmart. I actually oh, like well, I mean, that, that, I was, like that was like what, that was like five years ago now. But yeah, I mean, that, I guess that, that make, works too, but that made it with females, so it made it different. But like, you get something like Good Boys, it's awful. It's an awful movie. Yeah, it's horrible. Because <laughs> it, nothing nothing lands but that that's not super bad let's see where you adam goes. adam what are your thoughts uh i share a lot of what uh the cooler people of the podcast like zach and todd share not old man terry over there while humbug yeah, you're like you're the welcome. home ec teacher you just don't get it it's two weeks left. Bogle, hi <laughs> 
Now, this is a perfect, like, again, I said this before with the survey. It's a perfect time capsule with the year that it came in. Like, it's 2007, the year that I graduated high school. So when I first watched it, I, like, bought, had bought it from FYE and took it yes. to my my own my house that I was uh, living in. And I watched it for the very first time. I absolutely loved it. I remember when this came out, I uh, was like one of our high school friends took my sister to go see this in the drive drive through or drive in. Sorry, the drive in in Auburn. And you know they text me like, "Yeah, do not watch this movie. This one is super like bad." And of course, I'm like, "Oh yeah, I won't watch it." Yeah, that's then I was the like, title that's of the, it. That, that's the first movie I want to watch when I move out of my parents' house. So that's what I did, and I absolutely loved it. It's like it's yeah, like it, what Zach was saying. It doesn't. There's stuff that was crazy, and it's really raunt, uh, uh, raunchy and stuff that probably wouldn't hold up if they try to make it today. And at the, but at the same time, there's a certain charm to it that for the when we came out that that time period. And we're the right age for it. It's it played so well, and I can watch. This is the third time I've watched it. I watched it twice this week. Plus, I watched a couple, um, like last month too, because I was planning to do a daily notes on episode on this as well. And it's a perfect film for that time period in my life. So, I uh, still laugh at a lot of the jokes and how ridiculous it is. And yeah, it was really fun to go back and deep dive, and it was really hard to recast, to be honest with you, too. Because it's just, I can't picture anybody else in those roles, but the people that we got. Well, let's get into that then. Let's get into the recasting, which, yeah, it it was really hard. Honestly, I didn't come up with a whole lot uh, for recasting, just simply because we don't know anybody like that age. Like, they don't, there, there are no decent actors that could fill these roles that age nowadays. So unless I was going to do, like, one of our throwback recasts, I wasn't really going to be able to do it. But we'll see what yeah. you guys came up with. Hopefully it's good. Um, yeah, so let's start. Uh, let's start with Zach. Um, let's go, Seth, Evan, and Fogel. Put those three together. Who, who's your recast? Oh God, I can't go more than one at a time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm I'm really not ready for this. Uh, I got it. I, I have it. It's the coming. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> Right now, I'm having a crisis of my own because I can't find the goddamn Seahawks on anywhere. Like, it's not on uh, game day highlights. It's not on my network. You guys are just going to have to keep me in the loop. All right. I'll, we'll, we'll keep you in the loop. We'll keep you, in the loop. you still want to go first? or I'll go first. I, I Adam have can it. go first. We'll go with that. Uh, anybody from Stranger Things. There you go. No. That's um, yeah. No, I have Evan played by Finn Wolfhard. Who is also in Stranger Things and it? He would be the more of the straight man. He'd be the Michael Sarah here. Uh, Seth, I have as Jacob Batalon, which would be in Spider Man movies. He is Ned yeah. in those movies. I thought and about he him. would, yeah. Except and then, he's freaking old. It's like 27. Yeah, that, oh, God. Yeah. Jonah was well, probably 20. Jonah was 25. Jonah was 24. 24. Okay. Well, yeah, still. Uh, and then I would go with Fogel as Jack Dylan Glazer. Would be also another it yeah. character, but I can I I think because the chemistry between Fogel and Evan are really good, and I think Finn and Jack have really good chemistry from it. So that's where I kind of went with that, and I can kind of see it. I haven't seen Stranger Things, and I haven't seen it, so I don't know any young actors anymore. All right, yeah. we'll go to Todd next. All right, so I did do the the Zach Salt's like gimmick thing. Uh, so yes. I, I went 15 years in the past, and that was about when uh, Boy Meets World started. So I recast with Boy Meets World That's characters. Another one that we a lot. 
Oh, Boy Meets World characters. I like it. So, uh, butter. There you go. So uh, my Seth and Evan. Um, Seth, I went with Jason Marston playing Jason Marston. Uh, he he has that. He's probably the most lively actor that was ever on Boy Meets World. He was only on maybe the first two seasons. He was Eric's best friend, which is why I have Evan as Eric, or Eric as Evan. Um, oh, I know. I I can't, I can't, I know who you're talking. He's about. he's I go step by step with the other show Jason Marston was on, but uh, but uh, yeah, Eric uh, I think has a lot of the innocence of Evan, and I think that would be really fun to watch. And uh, of course, his his uh, rapport with Jason and Fogel. There's no other answer than Minkus. <laughs> Minkus is yes. our Fogel, and uh, seeing him play with those two actors, I think would be a lot of fun. Seahawks just nice. lost, by the way. Like 85-yard Josh Jacobs touchdown run. Wow. And the good news, the Niners won. Yeah, but the Commanders won too. Doesn't that mean, don't they have the tiebreaker? Mm, North Carolina lost in quadruple overtime. Quadruple overtime to Alabama? Yeah. Yeah. Josh Jacobs has got the run because Ryan Neal got hurt in the last possession. So there was nobody back there to get him. All right. We don't need to talk about that crap anymore. I thought Zach, of a few. You okay. thought of a few. Good. I did. Uh, my Evan, I went with um, Jacob Tremblay, right? I mean, we just talked about good boys, and so he was an actor I thought of. Uh, for my uh, – now, I had a hard time. You don't see a lot of fat kid actors these days. You just don't. It's, it's hard, to, hard to pick and choose. But I did think of – Jonathan Abramoff, who is one of um, uh, Adam Sandler's kids in Uncut Gems, the older one who takes a shit in the apartment next day. Yeah. And I had no idea, no clue who to go with as Fogel. I can't think of any funny kid actors these days. So I went with Gabriel, what's his name, from The Fablemans, because he's probably a good actor. And he could he probably. Had, he did that. great. He really did. He was. He was tremendous. He was one of the best parts of the movie. He was. Yeah, probably three star performance in a two and a half star movie, right? And and Julia Butters was great. The girl from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. They, like yep. the acting was really good. <coughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Oh, Rewind that was that. her. I didn't realize that was her. Which one was she? She was the one with glasses. The glasses. Yeah, one. glasses. Gave, I thought she gave like one of the three best performances in the movie. She was yeah, amazing. She yeah, the kids were really good. Who was the kid that looked like young Mike Feist? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! I, yeah! I, I noticed him too. He's playing the same character as as in West Side Story. It wasn't maybe, maybe he can play Jesse in the recap. I'll figure this out. All right, uh, Jules and Becca, Todd, who do you have? Uh, so my Jules, I have uh, Lauren, which is uh, of course the the girl that Corey meets in the ski lodge, played by Linda Cardellini. I think. Um, Nice. Like, cause she is like the coolest one. She makes you actually care about a character you should absolutely hate if you're a fan. And uh, Becca, uh, so she gets pretty slutty uh, in the movie. And the only slutty Boeing's World character I can think of is the one that actually the actress turned into a porn star. And that's Rachel, the, the redhead roommate of uh, Eric and Jack <laughs> in the college years. God, I love how we wow. do weird shit on this podcast. Wow. Can we get some trivia questions about that? The college years? <laughs> She turned into oh, a porn God. star. Nice. Yeah, she's a porn star now. Child, childhood broken wow. or made, right there. It would have been interesting <laughs> if that was also written into the show too. Like Little maybe, Beach World. Yeah. Maybe Eric checks her out, you know, online. <laughs> At first, I thought that's what you meant was that her she became a porn star on the show. 
but no, it was the actress. But yeah, that would have that'd be an interesting twist to Bogan's world for sure. Yeah. Well, my you jewels, got Adam? I went with Gina Ortega. She's like really popular right now. I can definitely see it. X. Yeah, X and Scream and all the good stuff there. And Becca, I went with Sydney Sweeney. Who is kind of right oh, there? Right. Well, is obviously Carrie Hutchins. Okay, that you miss you miss the layup there. <laughs> That's a good call. Good. Got to get a glimpse of these warlocks. Make a move. Got a glimpse of Nice. All right, Terry or Zach, what's up? Oh, Zach, go for it. All right, well, well, Becca would be played by someone who is also a Loki reference all the time on our show, and, and that's Thomas and McKenzie. In fact, if we don't cast her in any recasting we do with a teenage girl character, then we're, we're just not doing it right. And then um, what did you say? You said for uh, Jules. Jules. Jenna Ortega is a pretty good one. I can't really argue with that. I'll, 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 I'll double down on that. Good pick. I get, she's got the Jules car- caricature in, uh, in X, kind of that, you know, bit of an attitude and confidence yep that's what i thought you have anything fairy i don't have anything but i've been trying to find the kid from full from uh fable well i'll keep keep going because i have i have um, several more i thought you were trying to look for the porn actress (laughs) no 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 no. i got more too flesh of the stars would be my recommendation so so uh so his name is uh his name is oaks fegley Oaks and he was, yeah. Yeah, he was, he uh, was. Todd seen him and stuff because he was the kid in the war with Grandpa. Oh yeah, and that's a great movie. He's yeah. in the Goldfinch, and Wonderstruck, oh, and Pete's Dragon. Mm. And oh, he was the kid. This is where Dragon. I leave you. Oaks Fegley sounds like it should be a competitor with Frost Canyon or something like. Gets yeah. spin off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Slater and Michaels. I actually have ones ones for these, but Todd, go I got, first. Yeah, I got. It. Okay, so I have two two options from Volume. So you could go the the route of the teachers. So you got um, <laughs> Mr. Turner and Eli. I think would be we be great mm-hmm. Slater and Michaels. Yeah. But if you're going with ones that are actually in the school, there's no other option. Okay, Slater is of course uh, Joey the Rat, and Michaels uh, is Frankie Stacchino. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they would just be tremendous cops, like almost like they belonged in Police Academy or something. Uh, I, I think as Slater and Michaels, I, I would sign up for that a hundred times. I'm so lost. I like it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, I never watch the show, but anyway, um, let's go here. Uh, Slater, I'm going Michael Cera. He's gonna he's gonna be play Slater oh. in this one because we always do that gimmick. I like and I, I like Michaels as Jordan Peele, but he's like so old, like because you always see Keegan Michael Key and everything. But Jordan Peele would be funny. But uh, I'm gonna go with Jack Quaid. He's from The Boys. He's from the new Scream movie as well. He was in the Hunger Games from 2012. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, Jack Quaid is really good. Uh, funny actor. I really like him in The Boys. So uh, those are my kind of my two choices for Michaels. Nice. And Jack Quaid and Meg Ryan's kid. I didn't know that was funny. Wow. Really? Yeah. We're doing yeah, our we're doing crazy, our research huh? tonight for our internet uh, deep dive. That's or we're using the internet for research. We're doing research. All right. All right. Okay, so um, uh, for my officer Slater, um, the the biggest, uh, most important element was that he had to wear glasses because, of course, Bill Bill Hader talked about that, and I, I really thought about going with uh, uh, who's you know the, the Australian guy Pierce, 
a little too old at this point, Guy Pierce in LA Confidential. But I ultimately went with the only I could really in my you know uh, minutes long quest to find this replace. I can only think of one actor with glasses, and that's Josh Gad. So I'm going with Josh Gad as Slater, although I think he could also be Michaels too. And then for my Michaels, I'm going with Lil Rel Howery, who could also be Slater. So I, maybe it's just all interchangeable. Lil Rel really good. Michaels. Bear Claw. Let's go. Okay. Uh, for me, I had. Glasses? I can't. So my, my Slater and Michaels um, uh, wasn't slightly inspired by watching the movie because as I was watching the movie and saw. Joe uh, Lotruglio in it. I thought of Brooklyn Nine Nine. So my Slater and Michaels are Andy Samberg and Joe Lotruglio. That's a that's actually something that I had thought. Well, I have a conspiracy theory about it at the very end with, with that, those characters. But oh, okay, <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> that's a good one. I actually kind of like that even better. That's good. All right, Todd. Do you have any others? Yeah. Okay. Uh, for Evan's mom, I have of course Amy Matthews. Um, for for Greg, the soccer player, I have a of Jack Turner, because I mean, I, I think years ago, yeah, Dave Franco and uh, Matthew Lawrence, pretty much the same actor. Um, for Mindy, the cashier is <laughs> oh, of course uh, is is Angela. Um, for Francis, which is the the guy that takes him to the party, I went with Leonard Spinelli, which is the Willie Garson character in the first couple seasons that works with Alan. And uh, for Stephen Glansberg, I went with Larry. Who was in a couple episodes early on? He's uh, he he's more known as Yaya from the Sandlot. Uh, I think he, oh, wow. he looks really good as an awkward uh, guy eating his uh, eating his dessert alone in the cafeteria. <laughs> wow, I, I, like I had one for Evan's mom. Yeah, so this is going to tie in. This is years after Knocked Up. It's going to be Catherine Heigl and reprising a role at, from Knocked Up, and her son is graduating high school in this one. That's where this is where my sequel takes place in. My my thought on uh, on Evan's mom was uh, Christina Hendricks. It's not a bad one either. Hmm. Yeah. Zach. Uh, so um, I went with uh, Evan's grandma, and I made it Dolly Parton. <laughs> She's starring in a new Christmas movie this year. I've seen the commercial for a million times. Maybe Adam knows what I'm talking about. Oh God, um, that's. I went with um, fuck. As Ken Jong. Um, okay. You can't believe it out because it's a name too. That's the that's true. Part. It has to pass the censors. Uh, it's still jarring to see on a license. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Real Jimmy's brother, um, the actual Jimmy's brother. I went with uh, Jamie Dornan because he has oh, nice. a good voice. As we heard in Barb and Star, Barb and Star, and then as fucking Stephen Glansberg, and I think we should all answer that question. I went with Elon Musk, and it would be like funny if it was today, Elon Musk, too, like he's <laughs> sitting in the cafeteria <laughs> by himself. Beautiful. Oh man, all right, Glansberg. nice. That's Who would Nicholas Cage play? Oh, I got it. You got it. What do you yeah, got? he's got he's got the homeless drunk guy. But they's undo these yeah. nuts. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's the blue guys. He's freaking I out. Also, I also recasted him as uh, the high roller. <laughs> the high roller. Yeah, good call. Yeah. <laughs> I said Jesse with the guy who spits on Seth. If it was like early, <laughs> oh, yes, like early eighties, like mid eighties, like that. That's the kind of 
Nick Cage role with a with a mullet that he would he would show up and he'd get it smacked in the face by the cops later. Uh, nice. I I said that he would play Mark played by Kevin Corrigan. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I said uh, Francis the driver because you know he's like neurotic and oh, just get in my car, kids. You know, we'll, we'll go there. I'll give you. I'll give you some money. Yeah, I, like he's on MySpace. You look just like his brother, man. <laughs> that's like that's like that was, um, that's a great line. That's like weatherman Nicholas Cage, like mid two thousands. Yeah, booze. Yeah, girls, booze and girls. You know what? Do you do you yeah, do, know what that? <laughs> Who would nineties Giamatti play? Oh, this is a new category. He's, he's either the the home ec teacher or the liquor store clerk. The, uh, although the I mean, although it may it would be just if he was in the liquor store only and didn't show up at the party later, uh, like uh, just just seeing oh, somebody yeah. spill on the floor and just be like, "Fuck my life," you know? Like, yeah, that's a good call. <laughs> that'd be Jim Money in the nineties. I said I said he would be the David Crumholtz character. <laughs> <laughs> just one of those guys. Yeah, just one of the guys. Him and Martin Starr. Yep, exactly. Oh, okay, I got you. I got you. Um, Zach, did you have one? Yeah, I, I went with the bus driver who says, you know, get off my bus or whatever, <laughs> but just from the eyes and the, and the, and the mirror. <laughs> that's that's a, you know, That's Giamatti in the 90s. One line, one throwaway line. Yeah, 90s Giamatti. Bus drivers in movies. I was thinking also best best fight sequences on a bus. I think one. we talked about that when we reviewed Nobody. <laughs> yeah, well, and Speed. There's your list. Three movies. Could be 90s Giamatti. Could be working at the 7-Eleven where they get their slushy, where they're having that conversation about, she looks like she could take it. No. The very that, beginning that, of the movie. That's not bad, except you never see his face. Yeah, but they, they would have to put his face in there. How about 90s Giamatti as Seth Rogen's dad who comes out with a bat? Yeah, <laughs> that's actually go. Rogan's dad. Yeah, that's yeah. actually Rogan's dad. But it I would have to be with listed. with Paul Giamatti with, with in just a bathrobe with his chest hair out. That that would that's what would make it. That's it would, actually it would, a good call. It would be very like big fat liar of him to scream, "You sons of bitches!" <laughs> Throw the bat. <laughs> big fat liar. Right. That's a good movie. But, that, but see, now you're making me think it's more of a cage role. <laughs> you bitches, leaving my house with my honey. I don't. Maybe, it's maybe all for it. honey. <laughs> it is gold. It's yeah. Sticky. Highest war. Wait, so what does Adam oh. think this movie's about? Oh, what is? I I didn't write this down, but you guys go ahead. What does Adam think this movie's about? I think he <laughs> thinks it's about three high school kids who get arrested of uh, uh during a wild party a la, a la Project X, and then Hillary Swank comes in to lead the defense. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yes, that's another reference. I, I I had a feeling that's where it was going to go because I was going to reference it if you didn't. What was that movie? That, that, what was that, movie called? that was 25 Hours. God damn it. That is the no, movie. The, that, the, the, the prosecution? Swank. Or what's the, the Hillary Swank movie? The Hillary Swank movie. And it's, that is a movie oh. that we reference all the time. Why didn't we think of that? Why didn't you think of that? <laughs> we don't know what the title what, Jay? is. <laughs> What'd you that's, think of Jay? Exactly. Jay. scenes? Wait, and that's what makes it subtle is that we don't know the goddamn title. The that, it, it's the so subtle we don't know. Right, just give me a second here. That was our winner. That's the that's not no, that's the Theodore Roosevelt uh, going to fat presidents. Conviction. 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 Yeah. Conviction. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Really, the point of this episode is Sam just Rockwell. to answer that Mount Rushmore. 
<laughs> yeah. Melissa Leo's in that see, movie too. Apparently. See how it naturally comes up in our conversation. Validate our point or not. Confirmation bias. Okay, can I say what I think the, Adam thinks the movie's about? Yeah, yeah. I think the movie's about when you play the video game, The Getaway Black Monday, and it's so frustrating that Michael Sarah throws the remote and files a class action lawsuit headed by Hillary Swank against the video game company. Like, why would they even make that if you can't beat it? That's, uh, uh. I like it. There's also like two or three Tomb Raider posters in his room. Oh, can we talk about, well, okay. I did want to talk about the posters, but I'll, I'll leave it till the end. Oh, go ahead. Do it. Talk okay. About it. Uh, my biggest du- I'll say my biggest douchebag in the movie already is Jules because she has a Green Day poster in her room. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. All right. Uh, highest war performance goes to... I'll go first on this one. It goes to Christopher Mintz-Plass. Um, th- this is the role he was born to play. It might also be the only role he was ever born to play. Um, <laughs> because I don't know if I've ever seen him decent in anything else. But this is like the... Nothing has been like fit a person more than... Like this was his first you movie. one of your top 25 of all time, Terry. Promising Young Woman. Oh yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> that's but, right. I forgot to do. It's like the only other movie he's ever done besides Kick-Ass. Pretty much. Role models. Oh, uh, role models he, he and Kick-Ass. Those are the only other ones I can think of. But no, he he is so 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 perfect as Fogel. And yeah, yep, that's my pick. Good, Let's yeah. go to Zach. Huh. Uh, highest warp. I mean, that is that's that's probably the the best answer. I went with Bill Hader because I can't think of that many other cops and glasses. But I've used that joke now way too many times. But I still think I still think he's pretty hilarious in the movie, and it's like a perfect early Bill Hader role. And you can see sh- shades of Barry, right? Yeah, you really can. You really I can. don't know what I'm talking about, but I assume you can. It's it's kind of there. It's kind of there. This is more SNL era. Bill Hader, but Stefan, yeah, mm. Adam, um, yeah, highest war. Uh, you know, this joke's probably not done yet, but uh, Bill Hader in glasses is pretty. No, um, I'm gonna go with uh, Michael Sarah <laughs> in this one. Uh, I, it's great coming off of rest of development. He has that perfect, like, uh, you know, he's innocent, but also has that kind of deadpan, like, delivery as well. Same as George Michael there. and yeah, I, I can't really. I, I really like him as, in this role. This is one of my favorite performances that he's done, other than Arrested Development. So I'm going to go with him. See, I would agree with that. It's great performance, but I could also see Jesse Eisenberg in the role in 2007. Oh, he would have been yeah. a little too old at that point. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a similar kind of thing. But I mean, I, I think Michael Sarah is the answer. Like he's like in 2007, he had Juno as well, but that was something that he was so innocent and perfect. But this, he actually has like somebody to, to push him to do other things like it's uh i think he's a, a, amazing but if i can't pick him then i guess i will go with emma stone because it is there's something about jules that is like the coolest she's like like Seth says she's a, the coolest person he's ever met i mean that's mm-hmm. the way she comes off and it's because like she is so different and her voice is so different and that uh 
I mean, I never thought that she was actually going to be like a big Oscar winning, like big wig after this. But I mean, that's awesome that she did. Was this like her first movie too? Like one of her first? I mean, it was her first movie. I'm looking at it right now. It was her yeah, first movie. Yeah, that's what movie. I thought. Yeah, first movie, which yeah. was, I did not know that <laughs> before watching it again this time. Yeah, she had, she had some TV shows before that, but first movie, then she was in The Rocker, then The House Bunny. And Ghosts of Girlfriends Past, Paperman, Zombieland, A Voice in Marmaduke, Easy A, Friends with Benefits, Crazy Stupid Love, The Help, and then she was off. And yeah, and so and like with a, uh, I mean, there's a lot of times in movies like this where I mean they introduce a lot of characters like really quick, and and you can kind of tell which ones are going to stay and which ones are not going to stay. But it then again, it's a comedy. So you don't really know. But when she first shows up in that home ec class, you're like, okay, this is an interesting actress. If she's not in more of the movie, then they're doing this wrong. And mm-hmm. obviously they, I mean, it's because she's just so magnetic. You know. Where was Emma Stone true. born? Cleveland, Ohio. Here's your hint. It has already been mentioned once on this podcast. Mesa, Arizona. <laughs> wow. Close. <laughs> wow. Scottsdale. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> everybody's from Scottsdale. I mean, Mesa, apparently everybody's it... from Scottsdale. I, I also heard that Emma Stone and Aidy Bryant went to high school together. That's something I heard at one point. Isn't Emma Stone's real name Emily? And I think like that's what people call her. Is just that her stage name is Emma, but everyone calls that's her possible. Emily. Uh, yeah, yeah, Emily. Yep. Fast. Uh, all right. Bill Paxton Memorial Worst Performance of the Film Award goes to who's Zach? Uh, I'm going with Carla Gallo as the IMDb name is Period Blood Girl. I mean, I guess that's <laughs> that's the, that's the role. I mean, it's a pretty unglamorous uh, performance, but I just feel like she has a lot of lines. Why is that her name? <laughs> she does have a lot of lines, and she's an important part of the movie. She was exactly what she needed to be. <laughs> I guess I would have liked to have seen more camera angles, transitions, some lighting. Um, yeah, I don't know. That, that to me, listen, I don't fall asleep during this movie because that would just be sacrilege. But if I did have to take a quick nap, it would be during the period blood scene. I, that scene has ne- it's never been funny to me. It's like that's where it ca- crosses the line and turns into porkies <laughs> and like has a real fear of women and women's anatomy. And like that's not as funny. So I can sleep through that part. And that's that's the, the worst. Part. I guess it's not her fault, but that's. That's a part of the movie I don't like. Adam, worst performance. I'm going with that girl's boyfriend, Kevin uh, Corrigan, because uh, yeah, it's just kind of <laughs> just like I don't know. It's he's not. He's pretty good, know. actually. Okay, I well mean, then I, I'm he's wearing that Brazil jersey. Let's see here. Um, yeah, period okay. blood girl. That's a good one. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with. Uh, uh, Mm-mm. I don't Who know. Who could we recast as period blood girl? Caitlin Deaver. I don't know. <laughs> if your girlfriend, sure she's this girlfriend. Um, yeah. I, no, I, don't, I don't know. This is, this is falling apart quickly. We, it is. We God, I messed God, up. Sorry, go. Um, I'm going with Erica Ford as Jules's friend. Who's uh, the blonde <laughs> yeah. girl who wants the Kyle's oh, Cole lemonade? Because yeah. her facial expressions are awful. She's doing sitcom shit like <laughs> right next to Emma Stone. Well, it's like, I mean, she doesn't need to be in the frame, but she's just as like really exaggerated, like 
shoulder shrugs and stuff like that. And like, I don't know. She's not, she's not very good. And yeah. You know who she should have been played by was Amber Heard because Amber Heard essentially played that same role in Pineapple Express the next year. Uh, it's true. Yeah. All right. So worst performance, I think pretty much all of the supporting performances work because they've found these random people to be cast in these spots for perfect reasons. Worst performance, I'm going with Jonah Hill. What? I don't know. I've never I, yeah, I, I, I never He's only seen it three times. Be, it. Be ne- easy he's old. <laughs> he's old. I'm old. Call me old. But I, I, I don't know. He he just is annoying in this. And by the end of the movie, I, I feel like why is Evan still hanging out with this guy instead of, you know, cheering on their friendship. So because nice. he saved I... his life. He saved him from the cops. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he gets hit by a car twice. I mean, that's yeah, and he takes a bat to the spine, (laughs) (laughs) and he's still able to run, but not very well. (laughs) Can we talk about the running styles of these? Like the the running formations were interesting in this movie. He's fast to get alive. He was also really fast in Juno too. Maybe that's a conspiracy theory. And that's that is true. Yeah. What's it? What's his name in Juno? Polly Bleeker. Polly Polly Bleeker. <laughs> I always, whenever I hear his name, I have to think of it in terms of J.K. Simmons saying. How about J.K. Simmons as the angry dad in this Holy movie? Bleaker? The... Didn't know he had it in him. Who? How about a hypothetical? Who would play uh, Seth's dad? Seth Rogen. Uh, Harold Ramis. <laughs> Judd Hirsch. <Rick> <laughs> Judd Hirsch. I'm going Judd Hirsch. Yeah. Future Oscar nominee. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's really why you didn't like the Fablemans. You don't like that he's going to get a supporting actor nominee and you resent that. <laughs> and I don't entirely disagree with that, but uh, I think that influenced your opinion. He did, he earned he earned it more he in was Uncut mu- Gems. Much better as Gooey. I agree. But yeah. everybody's better in Uncut Gems. <clears throat> Amazing Larry Big Tim, high roller, minor character. The movie goes to who, Todd? Uh, I really like uh, Nicola, uh, the, the redhead girl that McLovin's going after because she is so absurdly clueless like her like she's looking at his ID and he she's like you know hey well so what's Hawaii like after he after he basically said that it was a fake ID and then and then she, and then she, they're like walking up to the room she's like I, I've never been with an older guy before I'm honestly still being clueless and then and then when he's getting arrested she's like we were gonna go to Hawaii I mean, I, I don't know. I think she should have been have had as much screen time as as, as Gabby and, and taken that spot because she was really funny. That's a good call. Good call. That's a good call. Good call. Yeah, I like My it. minor character is the homeless guy. Yeah. Um, he, he's pretty amazing. I mean, ju- just the simple fact that the first thing we hear from him is after Michaels is like, Sir, I need you to stop. Ah! <laughs> and he's running right at like, that that right there, I was like, that's my favorite. That's my favorite right there. And then he's he call, the first he calls one to him pick McMuffin. Up, yeah, he's the first McMuffin. one to pick up the pick up the detergent tub and start drinking out of it. Um, yeah. Why is he even starting shit? Like, what happened there? Just like <laughs> have her show up. We'll start some shit at the bar. Like, what is he doing? What's going on there? Throwing nuts at the at the bartender. I think it did involve nuts. That does sound accurate. We, he is throwing nuts. <laughs> he's like, you're gonna have your nuts. Ah. All right, oh, Jack. 
Yeah. Um, oh, I had a few minor characters that I liked. One was Maroki. Of uh, course. Evan's yeah, lab Maroki. Great lab partner. <laughs> great, you know, pa face paint and face art. Um, but <laughs> Life's I also... bullshit, Maroki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also really like... Um, oh, shit, where's her name? I like the teacher in that scene a lot. Um, Mrs. Yeah. Hayworth. Because she's, amazing. I, she's great. First of all, great facial expressions, great reaction shots. And it's like... She, I like how Seth makes that impassioned speech to her. You know, all this, you know, this class is full of BS. I'm, you know, my apologies, blah, blah, blah. No offense. And then she doesn't like ever say he's wrong. He, she just kind of says, okay, go over there. Jules doesn't have a lab partner. Like, I think she fundamentally realizes the emptiness of her life choices as a career. So she, and then we do have to, we have to also have to shout out to Mindy. I mean, Mindy's, she's, she's a vet, <laughs> vet in training who's working, uh, who's moonlighting as a liquor store uh, cashier. Great minor character. Also, I love her version. Right so. now, Zach, wait for everyone to go. Oh, sorry. But blow, by the way, my uh, Maroki, it was the only it was the only movie he was ever in, and his profile pic on IMDb is him in Holmec with the uh, lion. Uh, <laughs> nice. Well, that would make sense if that screen. was. It looks like the most IMDb. fun I've ever had in my life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Adam, who's your minor character? Oh, I think. Well, I have to pick through the weeds of what Zach has left me, but really, those were. Uh, I didn't think you'd pick those. That's why. I said no, that. no, 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 no. I had a. Um, the liquor store clerk is pretty uh, pretty awesome. Uh, Greg, played by Dave yeah. Franco. But I'm probably going to go dance. with the... Uh, <laughs> I'll probably go with the police uh, dispatcher. Uh, she basically is like, yeah, we got, the, we got a code. That's you, car 98. Get on it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the tone. The, <laughs> the tone shift. Yeah, basically tells like, yeah, this is a call coming in. 98, you're on this. Let's go. <laughs> like, stop lollygagging. Get on some calls here. So I, I got to go with the police dispatcher. So that's why you like. That's why you had the question about the car number because you like that scene. Yeah, you I like had the way she yeah. said ninety-eight. And you yeah. watched it three times this week. Well, no, twice, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's who that was. So the liquor, the liquor store cashier yeah, was a girlfriend Union, yes. from forty-year-old virgin. Forty-year-old virgin, yeah. yeah. No, the liquor store clerk. Not when, the, this is a liquor store cashier you're talking about. The, the liquor store clerk is the the janitor the, from Prison Break. So you, oh right, 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 yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he's or... from Prison Break. I knew that. I never, I never noticed that he showed up at the party. I've seen this movie like a million times, mostly intoxicated. So maybe there's you didn't problem. notice I, it this I, I time never, though. I, no, I, I noticed it for the first time <laughs> that he shows up to the party. I never knew that. I never noticed that before. See, it's fascinating, know, yeah. fascinating doing these, <laughs> these deep dives where you actually have to pay attention to the movie because most of the time I'm just zoned out. So it's like, you know, I'm, I'm spaced out. So that I should I, be a new question. I notice, I notice things. That is a that's that. Now you're talking detail that you only would notice if you watch the movie closely, even though you've seen it 500 times. Yeah. Mm. What character did Zach forget about? <laughs> I forgot detail. about the guy who showed up. At, I mean, oh. more power to him. By the way, liquor store cashier, she has 18 credits on IMDb. However, her profile pic is her looking at McLovin's ID. Good. Yeah. All right. Let's group these together. We've got stick. Did band. you give yours, Terry? Got... Yeah, I did. It was Homeless Guy. Oh, Homeless Guy. Oh, you were first. Yeah. Wait, well, hold on. There were other ones I wanted to mention. <gasps> yeah, um, yeah. I also really like Gabby because her, her sole purpose in the movie is just stand in the background and laugh like an idiot, which she does <laughs> every time she's on screen. Um, Patrick Manchester is the is the guy getting high at the party. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised nobody mentioned him because he he's awesome. Yeah. Like the way him singing along with Evan and and stuff and uh, convincing him to sing basically. And young Seth, of course, because he eats paper. 
Yeah, you get Clark Duke's like, man, vocals a badass. Yeah, Clark Duke. Yeah, <laughs> for some reason he's in this. I've never seen Danny McBride in this movie, but I really want to know. But apparently he's in there. Yeah, I saw him yeah. on the on the cast list too. Okay. All right. That's it then. <laughs> Spider Stick Man, Billy Bat's douchebag, and the Robert Forster Memorial Most Punchable Face. Oh, okay. Which I still find funny that we've named after Robert Forster, even though he's the one doing the punching. Um, so my my uh, stick man is Fogel because yeah, he's the yeah. only one with a with uh, older, confirmation older throughout the. It's uh, in! The oh film. my god, it's in! <laughs> <laughs> my douchebag is Seth. I I, I yeah, I've got to hit that drum one more time. Uh, my most punchable face is Clark Duke because. I mean, that's just his face. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Good call. All right, Zach. Most punchable face, obviously, Emma Stone, but the... <laughs> he gets he- she gets headbutted. There's multiple headbutts. Most, most headbuttable face. These, the, it is a tie. It is a three-way tie for Stickman between Dan Remick and his six-pack, Jason Stone, who looks like Zach Morris, and, and Matt, Matt Muir, Muir, whose eyes, yeah. when you stare at them, is like the first time you hear the Beatles. Another possible question I was going to ask. Yeah. Why didn't you? See, I would have had a chance with that question. Yeah, I knew those two. Yeah. And who's your douchebag? Oh, my douchebag? Uh, did we say Jesse? He's, he's pretty terrible. Yeah, he's the O'Banion yeah. of the movie, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a bit. Yeah, okay. my douchebag is Jesse as well. Uh, Stickman, uh, well, Fogel, but I'm gonna go with Jimmy. Like, it's off screen, and you know, he does have a cool brother apparently who has a great voice. But I think Jimmy, there's probably some possibilities with he's a stickman out there. And uh, punchable face is probably Greg because you know, he peed his pants a couple years ago. It was eight years ago, man. Get over it. <laughs> yeah, those Francos just have punchable faces. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, yeah, he's still he's still the punching bag even at eight years later. So, uh, all right, my my stick man, I'm I'm this is the, the Terry and Zach choice the, of the movie is uh, is Slater's first wife, who was go. a whore <laughs> by the way. <laughs> that's a great, um, that's a great one. Uh, the the Oliphant douchebag award. I have um, John Clint Mabry as the prosthetic leg man because he's running past <laughs> Seth. And he's yeah, he calls him a pussy for uh, for losing his breath running the mile or whatever the hell they were running in gym class. That was just a douche move. And uh, the the Rob Forster most punchable face. I'm going with um, the guy uh, at the party. He's wearing a bright red shirt that says "I'm a loser." I'm such a loser. I'm cool. Uh, and nice. he uh, he doesn't actually get punched. He's one of the guys that's in the group that starts the fight, but he never actually gets punched. He looked like he deserved it. That's just a really douchey. Douchey shirt. I also wrote down as my most punchable face God because God would be slapped for giving you <laughs> such a gorgeous gift. Or no, God would slap you. Sorry. Well, and then, well, the most punchable face should be Fogel, right? Because he actually does take a punch. It, he does. <laughs> this is like this is like the All Star punching movie. I mean, man, <laughs> th- there are a lot of choices here. <clears throat> All right, best scene, Zach. Oh, boy, that's that's a really tough question. Um, all these are tough questions. I can I just say the opening twenty minutes. Opening twenty minutes of this movie are so rewatchable and and fun and ridiculously raunchy. I mean, I was not expecting that. Same there with my in laws, and I don't think they did either. And it made me kind of think, like, like this movie is so raunchy and sophomoric. It's like, and you guys hated Good Boys. Good Boys was the, like kind of the exact same shit. 
But, you know, all more respect to it. It, it, it is a, like a perfect opening 20 minutes. And you read about how Seth and Evan took like 10 years to write the movie. I mean, that opening scene probably was rewritten and rewritten and rewritten so many times to make it just perfect. And it really is. All right. Love it. Adam. Yeah, uh, I guess the stick man could. Uh, I know we did. We already passed this, but I guess the people on the porn sites but that's that we're not gonna go there but uh best scene i'm probably gonna there's a when seth goes into the the department store to steal the liquor and he's going over the possible scenarios so like which which option is going to be the best and he hands him the 80 dollar bill to uh, tyler the clerk and then he asks the old lady he's like enjoy your remaining years uh, that's great and then uh, then he gets to the final final one and then he gets cut in the cut in the throat by the gold slick vodka and he's like, no, there was a security breach. You wouldn't have done it. Hold up, guys. I'm going to return my, put my vest in my locker. That whole scene is uh, great. So that's where I'm going to go. Go with the best scene. Put your vest away. You look like Aladdin. You look like Aladdin. <laughs> he also says he looks like Pinocchio. <laughs> yeah, Pinocchio I didn't remember that one. Although I was watching the unrated version. I'm not sure I've really watched that all the way through. So there's some lines I was like, I don't remember that. <laughs> there's so many different movie references in this too. They quote like they say so many different movie titles like Thunderdome and and, and Pinocchio Aladdin and a bunch of other ones too. So it's it's fun. Coen Brothers. Yeah, Coen Brothers. Todd best scene. Um I'm gonna I'll say I'm gonna say Evan singing. Because that scene is is so cool because he gets like stuck in that room with those guys and then it's just it, one thing escalates to the other. But then like it took probably about 50 times watching the movie for me to actually listen to it loud enough to realize that the song that he's singing is on the radio because they're actually listening to that in the car, like yeah. uh, in, the, in the in the parallel scene. Oh, I didn't realize that for the longest time, and I was like, "That makes that scene so much cooler." Because I thought he, that was just like a random like song I never heard of that he's singing, which I can never hear that song without thinking of Evan yeah. singing it. But it was actually on the radio; it makes it even that much cooler. And it's just, short, all those yeah. actors are just doing their thing. Like I, I want to, I want to watch more of all of them. Yeah, it's crazy too. Is too like when they cut after that scene, they go to uh, Michaels and Slater, and they're listening to that same song again too, on the radio. Yeah, yeah, I think there's there's that it's playing like three times, in, but I never realized that because it's so subtle. Like uh, other than him singing it in yeah. very kind of Perfect. admirable but bad fashion. Mm-hmm. All right, my best scene. Uh, as I was rewatching it, um, there there was there was one scene that actually, I mean, even though I knew I was coming, that actually had me laughing out loud as I was watching it, uh, and or it had me out laughing out loud the most. And it's it's the unveiling of the fake ID. Uh, it it's just I mean it is it is the like iconic scene like everybody knows that. By the way, leading into the next category, the regal quote of the movie is definitely "I am McLevin." Yeah, I, I, but I disagree, Harry. Oh, that's that's mine. But anyways, yeah. it is. It, it it was just I mean just McLo- you went with McLovin. You sound like an Irish pop star. Or R&B singer, R&B, R&B singer, singer, Irish R&B singer. Like, well, it's either that or Muhammad. It's like, why Muhammad? It's the most common name on the planet. Why don't you read a book? Oh, <laughs> he sounded very Napoleon dynamite there. Yeah, uh, but uh, that that scene was just hilarious. Even though, like, it's like the most, it's the scene that everybody knows because of the trailer and everything. But it was 
it was it, it was hilarious. Why did you also, park in the staff parking lot? You're not staff. <laughs> you're, you're not, you're not staff. staff. They also they used to sell uh, on the old DVD release of this movie. They used to sell the McLovin like ID with the like the extra. You buy like the combo pack, you get a free like McLovin ID. I've seen a full poster sized version of that ID on a wall before. Yep. How many twenty one year olds do you think there are out there? I'm trying to not be conspicuous. Called freaking strategy, man. It's freaking strategy. Here's another kid with a fake a ID. Great or, here's, or here's McLovin, uh, a 25 year old Hawaiian organ donor. Hawaiian organ donor. I am McLovin. Uh, all right. Well, my regal quote of the movie is I am McLovin. What, what do you guys have? Um, okay, so uh, I have I have two, and then one one needs its own category. But uh, one uh, the the two I have would definitely be when people are buying concessions in the in the Regal commercial. And one is, which is something I quote all the time is, "Should I just get like a shitload of different shit?" Or, <laughs> or and then there's also, uh, of course, you know how many foods are shaped like dicks, the best kinds, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> Which is nice. That's those are good. Okay, I got one too. Instead of uh, so when you got the guy with the uh, satchel coming in, there's a guy with cargo pants, he, and that guy responds, "No one's got laid in cargo pants since Nam." That's that would been my exactly, and that we need to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, quote, that, that might be came up later. Yeah, that might be the greatest quote in the history of movies. <laughs> I had I had two regal quotes. One one was serious, the other one wasn't so serious. But the serious one was um walk up in the concession line. Fogel, hi. <laughs> yes. And uh the, the not so serious one that I would love it is uh mom is making a PV salad and I need some Seth's own dressing. <laughs> in the concession line still. Nice. That yeah. All, all of these should be in it. We should make our own just with super bad quotes. <laughs> yes. It's not the leaving of the girls I'm worried about. It's the coming. <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> I hear they have more hops. Yeah, that's a good one too, the hops. I'm going to be there full throttle, Charlie's Angels 2. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Enjoy your right. remaining if years. There, if there were a sequel... It would be called Booksmart. Anyways, yeah, I mean that, that that's that's the spiritual sequel to this, really. Uh, I have an idea for an actual sequel. It would have been um, when uh, Evan and Fogel are at Dartmouth. Seth comes to visit them for some sort of weekend, mm. and Seth somehow gets the Ivy Leaguers to, to have like a giant party. I don't know. You could go with that somewhere, but I, I'm I that's the basis for it. There's That's not bad. Online. It would be a little 22 Jump Street-ish. With... Which they do mention in this movie. Jump Street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. I uh, do quote that all the time, too. This plans are fucks since Jump Street. <laughs> we got Car- Cape Blanchett up here. Um, all right. So the... Uh, I would probably go with... That's it. Well, I had my Evan's mom recast. It's Catherine Heigl. Make it about... Catherine Heigl's son and how he and his uh, crazy adventures. And then, mm. of course, you, then you actually got Seth uh, Seth Rogen as the old man with the, the the baseball bat coming out. Okay, not as okay. good. Not as right. good. I like it. What what category? Zach, is do you have anything? 
Zack's lost. If there were a sequel. I am lost. Oh, okay. I was just thought, I thought <laughs> you were just sense now, right? riffing on something. I was like, okay, man, you do you. Uh, if there were a sequel, I wrote down that it would be This is the End, or it would also be um, the, uh, the story of Officer Slater's first wife as dramatized by Charlie Theron in her award-winning performance in Monster. But I think that Ooh. came before this movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the bar. <laughs> yeah, Monster 2003. Let's go. And she was a whore. All right. <laughs> and she was. That That is true. We were Flaws, on our, outdated our conspiracy theories. Anybody got anything? Yeah, I got a conspiracy theory. Go for uh, it. Joe Lou Truglio's character, Francis, is actually undercover because uh, Kevin Corrigan's character was from New York that went to California. So uh, they had to have the Brooklyn 99 guy come in as an undercover cop to help uh, out the case. I like it. So like it yeah there we go and he by running a kid over he was blowing his cover he that's why he said don't call the cops don't call the cops because uh uh yeah don't get them involved because he was gonna blow his cover they're all worried about the cops even michaels and slater are like are like the cops <laughs> that is true yeah uh i i the, the, i'll say the only thing that really takes me out of the movie is adam's favorite scene the scene where seth goes to steal the liquor because that's like with the the whole like it happens but then it was actually like a dream sequence thing it was just like yeah. that, that's the one thing that takes me out of like the pace of the rest of the movie i, I also think w when seth does he gets hit by a, two cars and gets a baseball bat to the spine he falls flat on his face and on jules's face and all he has to show for it is one little mark in his forehead because he is seen running after that. Like after all of that stuff happening, there's no way because he wasn't even liquored up yet. Like he hadn't even started drinking. And he's still able to like run around after all that. I, I don't know. That, that That is a little a little far fetched. It's fast also, and furious logic. Yeah, exactly. Superheroes. Yeah. I also think it's weird that Slater's favorite Yoda movie is Attack of the Clones. <laughs> I, I'm never going to understand that line. And um, <laughs> I, I also love when. Um, when when uh the, that one song is playing like when uh, Evans or when McLevin's walking out of his his job and Seth and Evan are walking toward him and then uh, McLevin's just waves at them with his like stupid smile and all all you see is is Seth just mouth fuck and I I, <laughs> I, I know exactly people that do that and I and I feel that exact same way Seth so next time I see you, I'm gonna do that on purpose. <laughs> 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 all right uh Anything another else another regal line could have been i heard they recently decided to add more hops to it Oops. um i had a few f f conspiracy theories and gripes first of all where does this movie take place i always thought it was los angeles but they, they keep having clark county reference so is it a vegas is this a vegas movie i think they, they i think i read that he they made up the county but i don't think they realized that it was like a nevada county yeah okay well interesting um, it is weird i don't i don't know what three quarters of a blowjob is but i'd be curious to know. <laughs> uh, they clearly are not making tiramisu my wife pointed this one out they clearly are not making tiramisu in the home ec class it looks like some sort of apple pie or something but it is not uh tiramisu With chocolate yeah, or something. It doesn't look anything like... They're sprinkling cocoa all over it. You have no apple pie with cocoa. <laughs> right, but it's not tiramisu. Tiramisu is totally different. Um, I don't understand why they ha they have to blow up the car at the end of the movie. Are, does that mean like they're fleeing from the police? 
Like, does that mean they're they're setting they're staging some sort of like reason why? Like, I I don't understand that sequence at all. Just get rid of the evidence. Explain get... why it's why it got damaged. Yeah, why this doesn't have a windshield and why I don't know because they hit the kid. Prints are in it. It's but, the, but don't you think that their their superiors are still going to have questions for them? Like, they're not going they're not going to be able to like they, they they do not have jobs at the police force after this movie, right? I mean, after all this isn't the first time they did it. That's that's why that line's so funny. It was like usually he's more drunk when he does this, but <laughs> this will make it more interesting because obviously they've done this multiple times in the last six months. <laughs> I really thought Seth had some similarities to Buzz in Home Alone. Uh, maybe that actor could have played him. I wouldn't let you sleep in my room if you were growing on my ass. Is something that Seth would say. <laughs> and then the last, the last thing. This is probably the biggest flaw in the movie. So Evan can find lube but not alcohol. And that leads me to when, when they, they do the flashback of their night out, instead of going to Jesse's party, they have it in the flashback. So some, somehow someone has alcohol that they get, but like they can't get it for the party. Oh, and then they don't, they don't bring a lot of alcohol to the party either. It sure seems it's, it's like it's pretty depleted by that point. But maybe that's the point. I don't know. And just like other thing, okay. So that that line, okay. No one's gotten a hand job in cargo shorts and snow. I, I've I've spent several hours, like like as long as that you know Seth wants to go down on jewels. I've spent several hours thinking about this line. Wow. And, um, I think we should do a whole podcast on it. But there are several questions that are brought up in this in this in this line. A, why is he worried about a hand job and not actually getting laid? B, why does he say nom like he fought in the war? C. Why does he cut off at the Vietnam War? Like, why is that his reference point? Like, did cargo shorts like help people get hand jobs in Nam? Or like, I mean, I actually looked it up. Cargo shorts were invented in the 1980s, so the, it is coming squarely out of his ass. But um, uh, also, I mean, but short cargo pants, which became shorts, were in the, actually first appeared in 1954, which is the year before the war started. So maybe he actually did do some research. I don't know. But and he also he was wearing cargo shorts at school. And so he obviously wasn't that concerned with getting a hand job. Like may, maybe it was the Richard Pryor shirt with a loogie on it that was so unbecoming to, to the women. I don't know. But then, then he has the he's, he has no problem wearing these old ass pants that he's never seen before. And then he, and he's got period blood on them. And then he also has no problem with wearing pants with a male camel toe showing. I I don't know. The cargo <laughs> shorts know aren't the issue. They aren't the cargo shorts aren't the issue, Seth. That's what, what I gotta say. And, and it, honestly, if Bravo, I could ask was... one celebrity one question, I would ask Seth Rogan about that line because I guarantee he hasn't thought about it as much as I have. Nice. I, I was I that, like, or was that line actually ideas. in the script, or did or was that just a Jonah Hill ad lib? Exactly. And he asked. That was beautiful, Todd. That was like your six minute promo for your Netflix stand up special. Like yeah. that was. <laughs> Tremendous. Our new uh, new side project for the podcast, Todd's Thoughts, followed by Get Salty with Zach Salts. No, it has no. thoughts on random lines from movies. That yeah, was that's... that was amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, more thought was shit. put into that. Although it is a great line, but probably that was probably the most thought put into it. Although maybe not. I don't know. That line has a certain elegance and like you know, that's like that's like a Bukowski line, you know. Couldn't write that. I think it's from Bukowski. I love it. All right. LVP, MVP, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap this thing up. We'll start with Adam here. LVP, MVP. I, well, uh, no joke. I have LVPs, cargo pants, and vests. I think those are the two biggest ones. 
MVP is 2007 because, yeah, that was just a great time for some really nostalgic filled movies so that we all can appreciate. So, <laughs> nice. Todd? Uh, my LVP is uh, Seth's cardio because, like, both in gym class for Jonah Hill and, and Rogan overall, oh, just by like, it's a fast kid. I don't know. Both of them have trouble running. I think that's. That's a Seth problem. And my MVP is Allison Jones, who is the casting director, because she's done the casting for like all of Apatow's movies and like she did Booksmart and Lady Bird as well. But like finding Christopher Mintz Ploss for that role is like when Tarantino found Christoph Waltz for Inglorious Bastards. Like it is somebody that is so perfectly plucked out of somewhere that is so perfect for one role. And uh, I have to give credit to the casting director because they never do get credit. So are you suggesting that that's a Mount Rushmore level war performance? It, I mean, it is. It I, is think it's, I think it's in the conversation. It has to be yeah. considered. <coughs> I mean, he made a whole career of it. He really did. All right. Uh, my LVP is uh, Slater and Michaels for blocking Fogel. Um, yeah. And not even realizing it. They need to guide it, not block it. And uh, my my MVP is tied for providing the proper receptacle for the beer, and also low key yes. conspiracy theory. Superbad started the Tide Pod challenge. Oh wow, that's that's pretty good. Nice one. Should have brought that, that up in conspiracy theory, theory I, section. I should have. I thought I forgot about it until I saw that I had written down Tide for my MVP. So, so my MVP was Patrick Renna who played Ham in The Sandlot, you know, the fat kid. He was mm -hmm. also in the, in the Big Green. How did he not get this role? How did he not become Jonah Hill? I think for a long time I thought Jonah Hill was that guy. Um, and I just feel bad. Like, that could have, I mean, I don't know what he's doing these days or if he's still kicking it, but, like, that the, that prototype for Seth was in those movies. So, missed miss opportunity there. I also thought about Gabby for LVP because she she's like clean up Jewel or uh, uh, Becca's mess, you know. She's like, "Get Gabby." What the, what the hell? Gabby has to clean up your vomit. Gabby has to deal with you being a you know, a loose uh, you know, cr crazed drunk. I poor Gabby, man. She doesn't get any action in this movie. I don't even think she's drunk. It's a good call. But she does look drunk the entire movie. Apparently she gives a bad performance. All right, quote of the day oh, time. I'm sorry, oh, I didn't say ahead. my. I'm sorry, oh. I didn't say my MVP. My MVP was Officer Slater because uh, he had the biggest laugh of the movie with my in-laws last night, and that was the line on our wedding night. We had group sex. I wasn't involved, but I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> I never noticed that Michael's is like, but I did. Everyone laughed at that. <laughs> it was that you don't need to be a fan of that this type of movie to appreciate the quality of that line. It was a horror, by the way. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, that's a great line. That's great. All right. Quote of the day. I'll start with this one. Uh, my quote is just simply uh, the the biggest throwback to 2007 I got in this movie, and that was, you guys on MySpace? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I actually was sitting here trying to see if I could still get on my MySpace page, and I was having trouble logging in. So we'll see. We'll see. But yeah uh zach you're next I, I think you have to be a local band uh to, to still have a myspace page but uh potentially okay. uh my uh, line of the day comes from super bad and it's when uh they're all reunited after fogel has had his adventures with the cops and uh 
I think Seth says, Fogel, I don't understand why you were smoking with those coughs. And Fogel says, because I fucking rule. And that's how I feel about Fogel's this podcast. Fogel's a badass. We rule. Yeah. A badass. I am McLovin. He like interrupts him to ask. He's like, like McLovin was like going to go off and stuff. He's like, Fogel, I don't understand. <laughs> like, what was going on? Yeah. Uh, that's such a good part. Adam, you're next. All right. It also comes from Superbats, paraphrasing what Seth was saying to Fogel. This whole thing is bigger than you, Fogel. So grow a pair of nuts and fucking walk in there and subscribe to the Almost Sideways <laughs> podcast. There we go. Very nice. I see what you did there. I see. I see what you did there. We promise we only have pissing as an option. Pissing on a person as an option. You don't have to watch it or listen to it. Oh yeah, that's true. And yes. then, uh, if you don't, I'll fucking get a knife and fucking stab you in the heart with it. You don't have the hands for that <laughs> procedure. I don't know where from. Yeah. Take your face and throw it on mine. <laughs> Todd, wrap us up. Uh, so, I mean, I have a lot. Like, this is a movie I quote when I don't even realize it. And so I have a, just like six or seven quotes or something. So I'll just go through them. <laughs> One is, um, uh, they, they, they should be sucking on my ball sack. I, I don't know why I say that, but I do. I, <laughs> Seth says it. And then if I'm telling a story and then it, and like I could tell it's getting a little exaggerated, I'll think like we got right in, you know, like like they did with the club. Uh, I also, <laughs> also have, I now understand why Orson Welles ate his fat ass to death. I just think yes. it's a really brilliant line. Um, and hell yeah, I wish you get some row beers. I, I've said that many times. Um, let, and let's do another one to me or to women and people respecting women. I, I've quoted those like tons of times doing shots. And uh, but the last one I'll say is every time I get done with this podcast, basically, I'll, I'll just like I'll give another shot. I'll give him like another shot. And so I do. I do quote that a lot, though. Uh, Good one. I could keep going, but I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> well, with that, we're going to draw the 200th episode. Oh, can't draw dicks. No, it's a bad idea. <laughs> of the Almost Sideways the podcast. Something like close. 8% of kids do it, whatever. <laughs> you grew up hey, guys, Dylan from American Vandal. That's a conspiracy. They're just going to keep hit going. With your, you hit go. Becca with your I'm dick. I'm going to keep what? wrapping this up. <laughs> oh, Thank you guys so much stop. for listening. <laughs> We'll be back at you next time with episode 201. But thank you guys so much uh, for listening to the last 200 episodes. If you've listened to the last 200 episodes, we don't know. But we just do this. Honestly, we do this really so that we can carve out a couple hours each week to have a couple drinks and talk together and talk about Hillary Swank's legal career. Talk about Hillary Swank's legal career. Yes, that's really why we do it. And if you guys get some pleasure out of it, too, then great. That's awesome. I'm glad you like it. So we'll be back at you next time with another episode. Until then, have fun watching movies, and we'll catch you on the flip side. High five. Despite your crass behavior, I'm glad we were able to do this together. <laughs>